Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. everyone and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. It is seven o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke Grimsley is here, Super Bowl champ Carrie Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Good morning, kids. How you doing? Ooh, doing wonderful. great. We should How be. are you? We should yes. be. Cardinals didn't lose last night. They did not. Oh, nope. yes. They didn't win, yeah. they did not lose. It's true. So uh, tonight they'll take on the Tampa Bay Rays in the opener of a three-game series. In well, in St. Petersburg, which is, by the way, of all the major league lovely parks, city, Randy. It's, it's one a, of the is best. It? It's a great been. city, yes. but it's hard to get to if you live in Tampa for a baseball game. Well, you know, I mean, they, going, they, to a, going to a seven o'clock game in St. Pete is one of the reasons that they don't draw. Well, probably, but I mean, if you live in St. Pete, it's beautiful. It so, is, yeah. You know, but you just, you'd live over there. For them, most of the people live. <laughs> in. Why don't they call themselves the St. Pete Rays? You know, well, it's all Tampa Bay. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, but it's St. Pete. It is. That's, don't Pete. bring they don't logic be, into this, CD. They don't, don't want to be Tampa if they are, you know, not not Tampa. They're St. Petersburg. Well, the great fine people over there too. Absolutely, and the Cardinals will send uh, Miles Michaelis to the mound. He'll be opposed by Zach Eflin, and the Rays have the third best record in all of baseball as we start action today, which is pretty impressive considering they have the 27th highest payroll, 78 million dollars. The Cardinals, by comparison, are 17th in payroll after their trades at 152 million. So the Cardinals' payroll is. About, uh, let's see, 52, $74 million more than Tampa Bay's. But, well, just look at it this way. Tampa at 78, Cardinals at 152. The, the Cardinals payroll is about twice what Tampa's is. It was more than that before the trades. Yet Tampa is third in the overall standings, and the Cardinals are 26th. The Rays have made the playoffs with payrolls always in the bottom five for each of the last four years and have been knocked out in their first round three times. But they went to the World Series in the COVID year in 2020. The Cardinals have also made the playoffs in each of the last four years. They've been knocked out in their first round three times, and they went to the National League Championship Series in 2019. So the results are very, very similar for one franchise that spends twice as much money as the other franchise does. And this isn't just indigenous to the Cardinals. There is a secret sauce in Tampa that allows them to, despite not spending a lot of money. Isn't there, people have speculated there's got to be something in the water there, right? They're the envy of literally every big league club. They scout well, they draft well, they trade well, and they're able to develop at the big league level. I just want to mm-hmm. point, really point that out. Develop at the big league level. They are the envy of everybody in Major League Baseball, not just the Cardinals. I think that everybody would like to emulate what that they're what they're doing and how they're able to just really get the most out of their talent. It's, they're like the antiques road show of Major <laughs> League Baseball, right? They're the ones that are finding like the what what is something that you find there? Like a Tiffany's lamp in yeah. a basement where somebody brings. I mean, it's just it's very unique what that they're able to do. And they have a lot of people in place when it 
that comes on that development side. I took like a little bit of a deep dive last night, and there's a guy that's really intriguing that uh, Randy, I was telling you about in CD, you were over, over at Casey. But there's a guy named Jonathan Ehrlichman. Er- Ehrlichman, I believe is his last name. And they call him. Not the Watergate one, by the no. way. No. <laughs> and they call him Jay Money. He is the process and analytics coach for the Rays. And get this, where's the highest level CD you think that he's played at in baseball? Oh, high school. Nope. College. Nope. Rock, you got a guess? I mean, he had to be the best hitter on his like a seventh grade team, right? Uh, he's only played t-ball. His his <laughs> baseball career ended. If you could even call that There's baseball, hope for me, yeah, yeah, stopped there. He is a Princeton grad, big math guy, obviously, and uh, just fell in love with Moneyball. He literally read the book, saw the movie, fell in love with it, became an intern with the Rays, and then just kept rising into the ranks of the coaching staff. He is somebody that many, many of the players, the coaching staff have pointed to as somebody who has helped them, and it seems to be working out. It seems like the numbers are actually working out in their favor with the Rays. I don't and know. And we hate it. We don't like analytics. I don't know whether to celebrate that or be really bothered by that. I don't think you have to play the sport to to be good at it. I, I will to to be a good manager, to be a good uh, front office person. I, I don't think that. But I, the analytics just it, it. I feel like it ruins the game. And so if you're the Tampa Bay Rays and you are having this great success by not paying people a lot of money. What do you think other teams are going to try gonna to do? Going to try to uh, hire Andrew Friedman <laughs> and, and have a lot of success by not being a lot of people out of money. That's how it goes. And so, yeah, it could work, but it's not sustainable. Yep. There is a reason why certain people get paid X amount of dollars yep. because they're really good at their job yeah. and some people aren't as good as at their job. So it, I, I understand the, the notion of trying to save money and, you know, until it brings forth a championship, multiple championships, because most teams that I know win championships and back to back to back, you know, multiple championships in a in a window, they, they have to spend money. Yeah, it's not it's not easy to yeah. to win not spending. Yeah. By the way, you guys remember Tanner Dodson, right? Tanner Dodson. I remember that name? Mm-hmm. Tanner Dodson. Yeah, minor leaguer with uh, the Dodgers. That uh, the, the the Rays traded to the Dodgers in exchange for Luke Rayleigh. Who's got an 862 OPS, 15 homers, 40 RBIs? The Dodgers, the brilliant Dodgers, traded one of the Rays' best players to them for Tanner Dodson a year ago, March. <laughs> it does happen with Tampa Bay. It does. And there, there is a misperception, by the way, out there that Tampa is a draft and develop team. They aren't. Last year in the playoffs, 18 of their 26 guys were brought from other organizations. This year, of their starting normal starting nine players and five-man rotation. Five of them were drafted and developed in the Rays organization. Mm -hmm. They go out and they steal other teams' players for virtually nothing, i.e. Randy Rosarena from the Cardinals. Randy Rosarena, Pete Fairbanks is another great example that a lot of people like to bring up when it comes to how they're able to trade and develop guys at the big league level. And maybe it was just timing and other things. I, I completely agree that there's other circumstances that come into play, but he had two Tommy John surgeries and a 9.35 ERA before coming over to the Rays when he was traded and the way that he's been able when he's healthy to be one of the better relievers in baseball I think is also another example or a testament to the Rays of what they've been able to do with certain guys they're able it seems like they know other teams guys better than those teams do (laughs) and by the way it's and this is not an affront to the Cardinals but um, we've talked to the Cardinals about 
being interested in St. Louis area guys and how it should be easier for them to scout and and take a look at uh, guys from our area, right? Yeah. Pete Fairbanks is one of our guys. He's a St. Louis guy, went to Mizzou. I wonder why the Cardinals didn't have more of an eye on him over the course of his career. Or maybe they did and they just weren't able to get him because Tampa Bay is really good at getting those guys. But the Cardinals do take on Tampa tonight. It's a... It's an organization, I think, to be hailed. And I don't disagree with you. And I'm sure that the people in New York and San Diego, well, both teams in New York and the Padres, they're one, two, three in payroll. And they, they're looking at Tampa Bay with the third best <laughs> like, record. What are you yeah, guys doing? In the 27th <laughs> payroll. It's, it's amazing. Uh, the Rays' biggest stars, Randy Rosarena and Shane McClanahan, they aren't making a ton of money. The Cardinals' biggest stars, obviously, are Arenado and Goldie. So, uh, and by the way, they're. Average age is right there with the Cardinals. Tampa's average average pitcher's age is 28.3. The Cardinals, 29.9. And that obviously is increased by Adam Wainwright's mm-hmm. presence. And the Tampa hitters average 26.9 years old. The Cardinals are 27.7 despite the presence of Arenado and Goldie. So the Cardinals are nearly as young as Tampa Bay, but certainly not as productive. Uh, baseball needs fun. And last night, in New York, baseball got fun from Aaron Boone, the manager of the Yankees, who was having a little bit of difficulty with the home plate umpire. And the White Sox. Strike three, Volpe down looking. He does not like that call. What's the fact that the catcher set up in and had to reach away and still got the call, but it's in the bar cutter. Yankees have had enough. I'm sure that Boone's been thrown out. And Diaz giving it as good as he's getting it, but Boone getting his money's worth. And he's showing the pitch that is being caught. And then he's mimicking Laz Diaz. He mimicked the Laz Diaz strike call. He drew a line outside of home plate as with the as that was like where the pitcher pitch went. And then he mimics perfectly the Laz Diaz strike call. Uh, Aaron Boone on his ejection. I actually heard Anthony's was a, was a strike, maybe. So um, I, I just thought there were a ton of pitches all night that, you know, and, and culminating, I think, with DJ a couple pitches and his at bat where, where he struck out uh, with first and third there. Um, I'm not going to get into that. Um, you know, we had our chances tonight and just couldn't capitalize. You need to see this. If you haven't seen it, oh, you need great. to see Aaron Boone. It, it's great. Do you think he's campaigning for robot umpires by now? I think if anybody yeah. is, yeah. <laughs> My guys are savages out there. Yeah, there's no doubt. But then but, you miss the drama <laughs> of those moments. We'll miss that, right? We. Uh, that's one of the things about replay is we miss the arguments between the home plate umpire and the or, or any umpire and the manager. Mm-hmm. I, I hate the, the, the idea that you can't argue balls and strikes. If the ball is outside the zone and you're clearly wrong, why can't I tell you? Yeah. If you made a mistake, and, and and I think it's the the lack of accountability from from umpires sometimes, where it's like I didn't make a mistake. No, you did. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Just say you know what I blew that one. You will have coaches. They will be upset. They will go back to their dugout and they will accept that you said that. But it doesn't happen. This notion that I can never be wrong is crazy to me. It's absurd. And so yeah. then you get you get coaches and managers so furious about the strike zone saying, hey, there is no way. Because the one thing that, that bothers people the most, hitters, coaches, managers, is you call it a strike one time, keep it consistent. Yeah. If you call that a strike, then when my pitcher's throwing it, it needs to be a strike as well. It can't be a ball outside. It was just a strike against my hitters. So 
That is the, the the one thing that I think managers are furious mm-hmm. about when they see that. And I just hate that as soon as a manager argues balls and strikes, their ump throws yeah. them right out. Just consistency. That's yeah. all we ask for, right? Human error happens. And yeah. it it's going to happen in games. And I completely agree with you, CD. It's, it's very frustrating in those moments, too, for... I, I mean, the manager should be able to have a discussion about it. But then I also love the drama of these moments and witnessing it. So it, it yeah. is. It, I, I mean, and, and again, referees, umpires are good people. I had a yeah. I had a referee tell me in a game I couldn't call a timeout when I called it. I said, "Excuse me, huh? It's my timeout. I can do whatever the <laughs> hell I want to do." Yeah. And he thought yeah. I was trying to show up the other team. I'm like, "The score is zero to zero, sir. We're <laughs> we're trying to score before halftime. What are you talking about?" So. Yeah, it, it was it was strange, but sometimes they're wrong. And in his in his defense, he did apologize. You yeah, know what? I yeah. didn't realize what was going on. That's on me. So, but that has to happen in in professional sports sometimes. And in in speaking of incurring the wrath, uh, the Baltimore Orioles have incurred the wrath of every sportscaster in America apparently by suspending oh. Kevin Brown, their play by play guy, who was making a complimentary statement when he said that the Orioles had won as many games in Tampa this year as they had won in the last four years. They had been like three and twenty, and they had gone three and two, and. He mentioned that. It actually showed up. The note showed up in the Orioles game It was game a graphic. Notes. Yeah, and a graphic on TV. And they suspended the guy. It was it was absolutely insane. So when I first saw the video, I just saw the headline. And then I, I was like, okay, I'll go watch the video. And I kept watching it over and over again. I'm like... What what happened? What what in the world did he say that would cause them to indefinitely suspend him? And then finding out more of the backstory. There's a great article in The Athletic kind of breaking it down, also breaking down the history behind some of this, not with him, but with the organization mm-hmm. and when broadcasters really just tell the truth. Yeah. And, and he wasn't even oh, really? he wasn't even harsh is the thing is that he was quite literally stating really? facts and it was a problem. Uh. That that is so bad. Yeah. So bad. It was Mike, Mike Young and I would have been fired a long time a ago. A long time ago. <laughs> so, yeah, for telling the truth about the Rams on the post game. Yeah, we, we, they, it, was, it was the most amazing thing, Randy. Every summer we would get ramped up, kind of get prepared, kind of know that we were going to do it again. And one summer we were like, hey, it's, it's call? August. <laughs> I called Mike. Hey, did you? Are we doing the post game show this year? I don't know. I ain't heard anything. Me either. Turn on the post game show. And my boy Derek Stanley is on that. Wow. Like, that's not. That's <laughs> awful. That is seriously oh, so anything. awful. So I, I've told this story. Not before. even a phone call. Yeah. Not yeah. a word. Yeah. Not wow. a peep. Email. Nothing. Yep. Letter. One, yeah. One of my running <laughs> gags when I do a speaking engagement is I get introduced as having done the Rams pregame show. And I say, yeah, I, I wasn't doing the post-game show. <laughs> I was using that for CD and Michael. It was brutal. Oh, that's and, 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 But we were honest. I mean, we didn't. Which you should be. I'm honest. If you, I remember one week, they, one game, they rushed for like 1.2 yards or something like that. And I'm like, well, what do you, what do you expect to happen when you can only run the ball for 1.2 yards in the entire game? And so that, that was, we were honest. And then how do you even spin that in somewhat of a positive way? Like, what are you supposed to do? And you can't also just not give that information yep. in, in the post-game they, they show. They watched the game, too. They were calling in, what yeah. the hell are we doing? Yeah. I don't know. 2013, 
The Seahawks finished 13 and 3, the Niners were 12 and 4, and the Cardinals were 10 and 6. And on the pro- pregame show, we did a poll who's the best coach in the NFC West? So is it Bruce Arians? Is it Pete Carroll? Is it Jim Harbaugh? And we didn't, the Rams were struggling. They were terrible. It was in midseason, and they were in dead last place. And we didn't want to embarrass Jeff Fisher or the Rams, so we didn't put Jeff Fisher on the poll. We get a call, and the Rams are out of town. They're like on the West Coast, and we get a call from Kevin Demo. Why isn't Jeff Fisher on the poll? Well, they're dead last. Dead last, and like they're four <laughs> games behind the third place team. It's not even, it's not, the answer is going to be he's going to be dead last yeah. either way. So yeah. figure yeah, out they, who one, two, or three. Talk, or. talk about thin-skinned. Yeah. Pretty, pretty funny. Yeah, so bad. anyway, uh, Kevin Brown suspended by the Orioles. It's just terrible. And by let, let me let's run this. Uh, we're running a little bit late here, but I want you to hear from Michael Kay, who is the TV voice of the yes. Yankees, who also does radio on ESPN New York. This is not how it works. Kevin Brown doesn't say it, and somebody who's running graphics in the truck could put together a graphic in two seconds. That's that's put together an hour before that happens. And you're going to suspend this guy for saying that, which wasn't even negative. Again, then everybody in the Oriole PR department has to be suspended. It was in their notes. That very thing was in their notes. This makes the Orioles look so small and insignificant and minor league. And of course they don't comment on personnel matters. And they didn't say they fired the guy, they suspended him. But can you imagine how that guy must feel? He has to keep his mouth shut. He can't criticize the Orioles because they don't get fired. So of course we look forward to Kevin coming back. But you embarrassed the guy for no reason. And most importantly, you embarrassed yourself. What you did is disgraceful to the business. Disgraceful. Fans of teams should be lucky when their announcers are allowed to be critical. And that wasn't even critical, Peter. I believe that that was complimentary of the Orioles. That's what I thought, too. And Michael Kay hit the nail on the head in terms of the organization embarrassing itself. Can you imagine Jack Flaherty sitting in that clubhouse hearing about this? And, Holy crap, what did I land in? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's, it's such a bad look. And Kay was right. It makes your organization look small mm-hmm. and that you can't handle literally anything. Because there was nothing. The, the tone wasn't even critical. If you go back and watch it's the video, it was, it was literally him just stating facts and statistics that were available to him and he's right those graphics are made prior beforehand so then you have to suspend everybody that was a tactic to scare others in the organization from speaking out or saying anything and that's so bad is he suspended without pay we don't know no i I, that's that's i don't know that's when you sue and and by the way the orioles uh 2018 went 47 and 115, 2019, 54 and 108, 25 and 35 in the COVID year, 52 and 110 and 21, and then 83 and 79. So there were some years where people had to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's where it is. John Mosellock has made interesting comments over the years, and uh, we're going to try to dissect what he said versus what he meant next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Do you actually listen to yourself when you speak, or do you find you drift in and out? Jerry Davis, Randy Carricker, and John Mozeliak over the weekend had some interesting comments about the trade deadline and about the approach the Cardinals will take in the offseason. On trading with a contender for a starting pitcher at the deadline, would he have been able to do that? 
Obviously, it would have required a regular or everyday position player to try to do it. Teams have a hard time filling voids during in-season trading deadlines, whereas in the off-season, you can trade from your club and then go fill something via free agency. So just the timing of this didn't work. We certainly did tease a few types of deals like that, but we never got to the point where either side was comfortable doing it. Goes on to say later in the interview on his approach to the off-season. We're going to have to look at all the viable options. What that looks like in the trade market, obviously, it would probably be just a little easier to address in the free agent market because you're not subtracting. But we have to remain open-minded. We have holes to fill. I don't think it's as daunting as people think. Net, net. I was just dying. It was that like direct audio from John yeah. Moselle? Like that was a great, that was a great voice impression. So, very, very good. Thank you very much. So during the season, teams have a hard time filling filling voids. Whereas in the off season, you can trade from your club and then go fill something via free agency. But then in the off season, obviously, it would probably be just a little easier to address in the free agent market because you're not subtracting. But we have to remain open minded. So. Do you uh, make the trade in the offseason? You can trade from your club and go fill something via free agency. Or, obviously, would it be just a little easier to address in the free agent market? Both. Both can be true. <laughs> okay. Okay. Both. Which one is it? It's both. You can you can trade in the offseason. Uh-huh. And you can go in free agency and find someone in the offseason. But it's so, just a little easier to address in the free well, agent market yeah. in the second paragraph. But in the first one, in the offseason, you can trade from your club and then go fill something. Yeah, free it, it's both. Uh, it's okay. both. I, I think both are easy. Easier. The thing that stuck, stood out to me was, obviously, it would have required a regular or everyday position player to try to yes. do that. That is I, when people called. They were calling for Nolan Gorman. Yep, they were. They were calling for Jordan Walker. Mm -hmm. They were calling for someone that the Cardinals said, yeah, no, no, thank you. We don't want to do that. Yeah, we want a starting pitcher, but we don't want to. We got Tyler O'Neill here. You want him? (laughs) And guys were like, nah, he's often injured. I don't think that that's a good look for us. So, yeah, it is. We'll see how the offseason plays out for the Cardinals. They're going to have to spend some money. And they probably are going to have to try to go into the the, the free agent free agency period and, and maybe make a couple of trades and see if that's able to get this roster where it needs to be. Now, this, go ahead, bro. Yeah, I was just going to say this. The, both of these quotes make sure that you cro- <laughs> cover all your bases. Yeah, right? that's what. But that's, that's essentially that's what's, what's happening there. Both. Yep. That's because that's what you have to do, right? You have well, to make sure said. that these quotes don't come you back. Said. Yeah, you have to cover all your bases, so, and that way you can say, "Well, <laughs> I did say with both of them." Being the case, Brooke, I've got another pair of quotes for okay. you. Okay. Obviously, seeing Matt's do what he's doing, I think that's great. But some of these younger players that are going to go put and put pitch over the next two months, it's important for them to show success and do well. But that's still not going to change our offseason approach at the moment. I will say, Dakota Hudson, it's encouraging to see how well he's pitched, but now he has to show he can replicate that. Okay? <laughs> so, so that way he is saying both of those things so that he can't you can't come back and say well you said that you're depending on Dakota. Well, I said that we were looking that you'd replicate those things. But we also heard We're trying to sort things out right now because of a lot of our decisions that we make for 2024 will be based on a lot of things we see over the next couple of months. So uh, do you change your plan because of what you see? Both. Both. You're doing, yeah, exactly. You're doing both. You're you're taking a look at these guys, Dakota Hudson. Uh, What I hear from that is, Maybe Dakota Hudson will still be a part of that starting rotation picture, but Depending maybe not. On how exactly. well he performs. <laughs> well, I 
I look at Stephen Matz as a candidate to be non-tendered. There are not Stephen Matz. I mean Dakota Hudson. Stephen Matz is going to be here. He's going to be in the rotation because he's making eleven million dollars. But if I'm running the team based on what I've seen for the last three years, not the next two months, I'm looking at Dakota Hudson as a non-tender candidate. So obviously, they're thinking that these two months can have a dramatic effect and really overshadow. When you really shouldn't believe what you're going to see here in the next two months, what a player has done for the last two or three years. <sighs> yes, I I concur with that. But I will say, according to what Mosellock said, we could see what happens to see if he can replicate. Well, here, here, here's the thing, <laughs> and and I would assume that this is true as it is in in football as it is in baseball. When you draft a guy high, you tend to give them more opportunities. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's you can't draft a person in the first round in the NFL and be done with him after one year. It, it, it looks, it, it's unreasonable. It's terrible. You, you got a young man who was drafted in the first round in Dakota Hudson. You're going to give him those opportunities until he shows you, yeah, I, I'm not able to do what you expect of me. Because when you draft someone in the first round, you're spending a premium on that player and you want to get a return on that investment. So, you're going to get as many opportunities as you can. We'll see if this season can finish the way that the Cardinals want him to finish because there are spots available. Yeah. And if you are able to get him, now you don't have to spend as much in free agency. And my thing with Dakota Hudson, for me, for Randy Carricker, for next spring, he's battling for a spot in the rotation. He doesn't get mm-hmm. a spot based on these two months. No. And in most defense, and I hope this is the most salient point that he made, he said, quote, We know we need to find some experience for our rotation and not solely rely on guys having great outings over the course of the last two months. You need a number one. You've got Michaelis. You're going to have Mats. You need another veteran starting pitcher. And then you let people like Zach Thompson, Dakota Hudson, Matthew Libertor, Michael McGreevy, uh, Gordon Graceffo, C.D. Rahm. You let those guys battle for the fifth spot. You have a nice rotation at Memphis. Maybe put, like, as you've mentioned several times, CD, put a couple of these guys with big arms in the, with young big arms in the bullpen. Let them marinate at the major league level, like Adam Wainwright did in 2006 before he became a starter, and build your team that way. But at least, at least two mm-hmm. veteran starting pitchers. And I'll add this because we haven't talked about it enough at least one veteran relief pitcher. You have to. Yeah. You have to redo your bullpen going to next season as uh, on top of your star rotation. But this is the hole that they put themselves in, mm-hmm. right? And somebody from the 314 texted in, Hudson was good until Tommy John and he came back too soon. It, it is interesting, Tommy John, how it affects. We were talking about Pete Fairbanks earlier. We had two Tommy John surgeries and had a terrible ERA before he was traded over to the Rays, and somehow they were able to get the most out of him. I think that they are trying to get the most out of their talent, their homegrown talent, as you're talking about CD, because letting that go and seeing them be successful elsewhere, I think is something that is continuing to haunt a lot of their decisions, not just in the outfield, no but at other positions, pitching as well. And you would... I don't know, but I I would hope that they saw what happened with this, this season with Dakota Hudson. I think that they did see him coming up eventually, and look at how it didn't pan out. Yeah, as Spe- they scripted. Speaking of haunting, this music we have playing underneath is uh, I can't even hear it. Ominous. I can't even it's, hear it's it. It's a little. Oh, it's ominous. Yeah, ominous. It's, it's very. Ooh. Ooh. I like the ominousness. Ooh. Is that a word? Ominousness. Ominous? <laughs> is that a word? I had like Randy. five I was going to pick from. I'm glad I, made, I feel like I made the right decision. Yeah, it, oh, it sounds oh. very 
audio like engineer for the win. Something bad is about to happen. By the way, well, just, uh, you never know, Karen. The Cardinals are in Tampa Bay yep. today. The Cardinals need their version of, and Brooke brought this name up if you got in late, of John Ehrlichman, not the White House counsel that was involved in the Watergate scandal. <laughs> Very there's, important distinction yeah, to make, please. Yeah, there's another John Ehrlichman that works for the Tampa Bay Rays. We need our version of him to work with our pitchers. Uh, well, okay. and also Kyle Snyder is yeah. a... John Dean. Oh. <laughs> Al Haig. <laughs> Um. Kyle Snyder has done a lot, and the pitchers give him a lot of praise as well. Their pitching coach over there, with how he's, it seems very simple, his approach. He told Fairbanks literally to just simply throw the ball over the plate, and he seems to be able to maximize the talent out of his guys. I don't know. It, it Sometimes with the Rays and what they're doing, it seems simple, but then how is everybody else not able to replicate a lot of that, too? It's amazing, isn't it? They're just way smarter. Just way smarter. It's amazing. We need a J Money, as they call him. Uh, we need our... Uh, Guy uh, who only played T-ball. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jay Money, yeah, I play yeah. baseball at all. Uh, I can help out. Jay Money, <laughs> so we, we, we need our, our little version here to help CD. out. Throw it over the plate. Yeah. <laughs> to, to not there, yeah. there. To help, to help out Dusty Blake, we need HR Haldeman to make a an appearance, or Charles Colson, or something like that. Do you have the Wikipedia page for the Warriors scandal in front I, of you? But I watched that. I spent a summer as a kid watching. Uh, Howard Baker was like my guy. He was a senator. If if you're my age, you get it. But yeah, Howard Baker and Sam Irvin <laughs> conducted the Watergate hearings during the day. It was awesome. It was that was right, how right. I spent my summer we, in 1973. We go to break. <laughs> 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 uh, Sam McNeil next time on 101 ESPN. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker, and the Cardinals have released their yearbook featuring Albert Pujols, and it is spectacular. It's called The Legend of Five, celebrating the greatest Cardinal of the last half century. And Stan McNeil of Cardinal Magazine joins us now, as he often does here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Stan. How you doing? Hi, Randy. I'm doing great. Well, you have a forward from John Mozeliak and then a spectacular piece from you about Albert. And I would think that uh, knowing your career, this must be one of the things that you're most proud of. This is really a cool magazine. Yeah, it is. Uh, the, the, you know, Albert had such uh, an incredible career, and to be able to kind of sit down him, sit down with him, uh, 
you know, one-on-one and just uh, talk about it for a couple of hours. Uh, yeah, you don't get to do that very often. Stan, what was the most intriguing part about Albert's story that you may have learned or picked up about during this uh, during this piece? That's a great question, and I don't have a – I have a lot of answers to that. Uh, I think one of them was just uh, the beginning of his career. You might remember that uh, Albert was drafted in 1999 – in the 13th round, which we look back now and say, how did he last that long? But apparently Albert was under the impression that he was going to be going in the second or third round to Tampa Bay. The Rays were very interested in him. He worked out for him, in fact, but the workout apparently didn't go that great. So the Rays ended up going in another direction and Albert was just left there going to the 13th round. So it's if he had gone in the second or third round like he was expecting, that would have been a, a bonus, a signing bonus of at least a half a million dollars, right? And at that time, Albert, you know, was young guy, didn't have a lot of money, and he's he's looking, thinking like, I'm, I could get a half million dollars here. He ends up going in the thirteenth round. The Cardinals calling, and they offering ten thousand dollars to sign. <laughs> you know, and how good. <laughs> not too pleased about that. Stan, so, I, uh, I remember talking to a scout from the Giants. And Albert, in high school and in in college, early in his college career, apparently was rather rotund. And the Giants actually took him off their board because they didn't think he was athletic enough. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. And, and, and you know, we talked to we talked to, I talked to a couple of guys who covered Albert in high school and, 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 you know, that year he spent in junior college in, in the Kansas City area. And uh, they, these guys are like, Albert was different as a high school player. They had never seen, they, you know, they call him the, the best high school athlete they've, they've ever seen to this day. Wow. So I, I would really like to go back and look at that because there was a real split opinion. Like uh, one of the, the Royals, for example, did not did not pursue Albert at all because of what, you know, they just weren't sure that he had the body for it or, or whatever. So uh, there were a few people who made a mistake. Back I'll say, I'll say. <laughs> Stan, I wanted to ask you about, we're obviously trying to look for some positives right now with the Cardinals as we look at the rest of the season. Zach Thompson being a recent bright spot, what do you think of his recent outing? Do you think that he could figure into the starting rotation for next season? You know, I think Zach will get an opportunity for that. I mean, and he's left-handed, and he can throw 95. So when you're left-handed, you can throw 95. To me, you always have a shot to be a major league starter. You know, Zach, uh, he's had uh, kind of a, been bounced around a little bit this season. He still has, you know, what, almost two months here to kind of make something up this season and, and and see what he's going to do for next year. I was talking last homestand, and he was saying that you know this season he's going to sit and talk with the front, talk with the you know Ollie in the front office about what he's going to do. And for him, it just makes sense to spend the off season stretching out, the, you know, and that's what he's planning to do. So he'll go into spring training as at stretched out. Start and if it doesn't work out. It's fairly routine to convert into the bullpen, but. Uh, It'll be interesting to see because, as we know, there's going to be a lot of competition for those starting rotation spots, and there's only so many spring training games. So just to get a start in spring training next year is uh, could be it could be a challenge for some guys. Stan, what's a reasonable expectation for the Cardinals? Is it going to get someone in free agency? Is it trading uh, during the off season? Is it both to to get a starting pitcher? What is the reasonable thing that the, that you think the Cardinals are going to do? 
Yeah, to me, it's not going to be easy. If you look at the uh, list of free agent pitchers who are going to be available, it's not not that deep and not not that top heavy. So I, I think you you just uh, somehow either via trade or spending money, you have to get kind of a a, a number a top of the rotation type guy. You get that, and then I think you can find maybe another mid level free agent. Then you've got the competition with the guys you've. Uh, acquired in trades and who will be coming back, you know, like, like Zach Thompson. We've seen Dakota. We see Matthew Libertor. We're going to see a lot of those guys down the stretch. So they'll be in the mix. But uh, I think you have to go – to me the key is to get at least two kind of veteran guys that you can pretty much count on. We were talking about earlier in the show about the Rays, obviously the Cardinals facing them, but are they the envy of Major League Baseball with how they're able to maximize their talent without having to pay that much money with their payroll? They're doing something right. There's no doubt about that. You know, it's going to be interesting this series. Uh, I believe on Thursday we're going to see uh, Matthew Libertor get the start against his old team. And I would imagine Randy Rosarina will be in the lineup. So, uh <laughs> Three-plus years after that trade was made, uh, we're going to get to see a little bit of uh, how that worked out on you know head-to-head there on the field. Hey, uh, Stan, one more thing. How much of a fan are you of taking the approach like the Cardinals did with Adam Wainwright in 2006? A prospective starter, let him spend a year, get major league experience in the bullpen, and then stretch him out for a, a full season of starting like Waino did before he started in 2007. Is that an approach that you like and, and adhere to? Well, I, I'm a, a longtime Baltimore Orioles fan, and that was the way uh, Earl Weaver used to do it. And uh, it seemed to work pretty well for the Orioles, who had four 20-game winners in one season, and uh, I'm not sure all those guys came up through the bullpen. But, yeah, it's just a, to me it's just a solid way to kind of get get your feet wet, you know, to kind of feel what it's like to uh, face major league hitters. And, uh, you know, you come into the bullpen, and, and, you know, when you do that, you kind of earn your way. You know, you might be in a lower leverage situation to begin with, and if you're produced, do well, then you kind of move into the, the high leverage spots and you yeah can gradually add pressure that way. But, uh, but you know, Randy, starting pitching these days is just so different. I'm, I'm not sure <laughs> how much difference it makes. Yeah, right. Yeah, five innings, is, you don't have to stretch out that much. Stan, how can people get the new Cardinal yearbook featuring Albert Pujols? Uh, the best way is probably to go online to cardinals.com slash publications, or you can call 314-345-9000. And if you're at the ballpark on the next homestand, be sure to be on the lookout for it. Thank you, sir. Great to hear your voice, and congratulations. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for having me. That is Stan McNeil from Cardinals Magazine here on 101 ESPN. Next up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. We've got Take It or Leave It coming your way next here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Get your text into 314-399-9646 and give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Time for Tioli on 101 ESPN 314-399-9646-314-399. Yo-ho! Okay, it is August 8th, so Brooke, what is this day for you? 
It is Jeff Fisher Day in For, Tennessee. In Tennessee. In Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Uh, so Tennessee Titans fans. Yeah. Seven to nine in St. Louis. Uh, <laughs> and in Tennessee, it's eight and eight. Show some respect yeah. for Kerry Collins. I get 13 that. and three. Kerry exactly. Collins. Come on. Ten wins in a row. Lost in the second round to the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> Shout out to Baltimore. Okay, guys. Uh, the Flash, apparently official from Miami. Chloe Kardashian has found out that Kim and Tristan Thompson went out to dinner and then took uh, Kim and her son Saint to attend Lionel Messi's first Inter-Miami game. Chloe believes that Kim is having an affair with Tristan. Whoa. Take it or leave it. This will tear that tight-knit family apart. Ah, uh, I'll take that. I'm gonna leave it. It sounds to me like maybe some more drama for a new episode for it. Can, is there yeah. is there a way that they cannot publicly have these no, battles no. or no? That uh, would that would. Uh, I mean, your sister sleeping with your and, child's father. Oh, right? by the way, Kim wore a very sexy outfit to dinner: <laughs> a black leather halter top and leather pants and heels. And Tristan wore a see-through black top and black pants. See-through. Yeah, they matched perfectly and frankly looked like a couple. Whoa. That's intriguing, and I can fit this in because it's Tristan Thompson, NBA player, former NBA player. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like maybe Kim He's would know NBA. about that. He was on the roster last year. Mm-hmm. Chloe would know. Did he, I, he I would to... say Chloe and Kim. I mean, why would she go out so publicly? I don't want to care about these people's lives, oh, but I I, it's just—it's so dramatic. I, everything. I'm with you on this one. I think that. In their eyes, all press, even bad press, is good press. Oh, that, Kim is, is just true. trying to make Tom Brady jealous. <laughs> Tristan ain't going to do that. Tristan ain't going to do yeah. that. Apparently, according to a source, Chloe is devastated. But this time, she's blaming her sister, not Tristan. Oh, good distinction. Yeah. There we go. Because didn't he have a baby with Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a humiliating to be sitting at home in L.A. taking care of Tristan's <laughs> kids while her sister and her ex are out partying in public in L.A. at the Live nightclub. Tristan's or in, kids? In Miami, wouldn't, they, wouldn't they be her kids? Her kids and Tristan's kids. Yeah. Well, why would they say Tristan's? I... Well, uh, because he's with her sister. <laughs> for yeah. effect, Kim. for flair. Yeah. For flair. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I just had to get that teoli in there for you. That's, that's, a, that's some tea that in the teoli. Oh, yeah. Oh. Uh, so we were, I, I showed you all, I got excited right before break. The uh, pumpkin spice lattes yes. are coming back, making a return earlier. Take it or leave it. It is, in fact, the best latte available. Oh, I'm going to take it. Yes, I, I'm going to take I'm it. With you. Yeah. CD and I were just discussing our love for pumpkin spice because it's not too sweet. It's a beautiful fall flavor. It's weird if you don't like fall, right? Because fall is one of the best it's seasons. Strange. I don't know what John kind of human would like, <laughs> wouldn't like the fall. Is there some wait, Rock, you don't like the fall? Rock said, I don't like anything Winter's and I coming. just stop. <laughs> uh, winter's coming when the fall hits. I don't like oh that. It tells God. me that it's going to be 30 degrees soon and I just... Just enjoy the present. Oh. You, you shouldn't be worrying about the future of the coldness. You could enjoy fall and all of its <sighs> magic of the pumpkin spice latte. Right, I'm good on that. Indeed. My, my son Patrick's <laughs> Twitter bio used to say pumpkin spice enthusiast. It doesn't anymore. But he's yeah, a, Patrick is a very is, smart man. He's all about you the pumpkin spice. You raised him right there, Randy. Thank you. Yep. Good job. <laughs> Proud of you. Take it or leave it, guys. We were, we've been talking about the drama with the Orioles and everything that's going on. This has gotten so much public backlash that the Orioles will have to make a public statement. Take it or leave it. I'm going to take it. I'm going to leave it. You think that they just will try to not address it and hope it it blows away? I would be trying to sue them, though. They might just fire the broadcaster. They generally do that. Well, you can be able to sue them. Yeah. 
Eventually, they'll reach a point where even, well, no, they won't. Somebody will always take a play-by-play job in Major League Baseball. Doesn't always, matter. always. But I feel like they should maybe have to explain this a little bit more. If there is mm-hmm. something else going on, which it doesn't seem like, he seems to be someone who's very well-respected, young broadcaster, mm-hmm. rising star, and I, I don't see a problem with what he said, so I feel like they should have to explain it. I hope that they would make a public statement acknowledging it and maybe writing this wrong, but I, I don't know, CD. I think I'm with you. I think that they'll just try to hope that it blows away. away. A broadcaster should never be suspended for stating a fact. He, a, a, a literal fact. statistic. And it was a positive. And it wasn't a disrespectful it, thing no. either. No, it, it was really complimentary towards the current Orioles. And you can even hear his tone. His tone yep. wasn't angry kind of or anything. Don't you yeah. dare talk about us not spending money. Yeah. You're trying to call me Somebody. cheap. Yeah. Uh, by the way, take it or leave it. If the Blues had the same attitude that the Orioles had, we'd all be gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we yeah. Take it or leave it. The weirdest thing about that story is that the Orioles radio broadcasters are required to wear team gear. Oh, oh. That seems kind of odd to me. I didn't even, yeah, do I didn't even pro- know. Do they the provide it? You're yeah. required to wear Orioles gear oh my on the radio broadcast. I just think it's a weird requirement. But then, but then some people, you don't get to see their nice suits yeah. and outfits. Right. I don't it's know only weird if they so. don't provide yeah. it. Before we get to That's the true. text. They make you pay yeah. for yeah. it, too. Don Sutton's son, Darren, used to do the Diamondbacks. He got fired because they're in Phoenix. And then Fox Sports... Arizona wanted their broadcasters broadcasters to wear golf shirts, and he wanted wanted to wear a suit. So he was wearing a suit. He didn't wear the golf shirt, and they fired him. Is he the first person in America wow. to be fired for dressing nicer? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Isn't that wild? That's crazy. Yeah, I'm all over the golf shirt. I, yeah, you love you love a good golf shirt. And I am not a suit guy, as you two know. So uh, I, I would have. Uh, been more than happy to. This is our first day on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a special occasion. That's true. All right, what do we got on the text line, sir? Take it or leave it. Goldie is not a Cardinal in 2025. I'm going to leave that. I'm I think that he'll it. sign an extension. I think the Cardinals want him to end his career here. I think That's so, too. That's an intriguing text on here. I thought it was, uh, they said they should package him in the offseason. Ooh, no. With one year left. No. Mm. Yeah, no, no, I don't think that, that. No. What are you going to get for him? Here's my. Are you going to get equal value for him for what he can provide you? I mean, you, you're, you're going to get. You're going to get. You're going to get Luke Baker at first base. You're going to get a Jordan Walker. A starting pitcher. Yeah, there you go. Jordan well, Walker. Well, he clears no, up some space. You're not, not going to get a controllable starting pitcher. You're going to get a guy that's going to be a free agent after next year. He ain't get something. And then he'll be a free agent after that season. So. Not if you've already signed him to an extension. <laughs> Randy, I look at what they, they allowed um, a, a man that we spoke about earlier to, to walk away. He wanted more money, clearly. Albert mm-hmm. Pujols. Yeah. They're not afraid to let people leave. They're not. So This is true. You let Albert leave where <laughs> the greatest first baseman in the history of uh, Cardinals, in Cardinals history. What do you... Well... There was a little bit difference between the 2012 250 million. I agree. I agree. But if yeah. you are willing to walk away from him, yeah, then you wouldn't. I don't think you would be unwilling to walk away or let Paul Goldschmidt leave. Yeah, I, I think if you make the same, just percentage-wise, same sort of offer to Paul Goldschmidt that they made, not for ten years, but if you make a one or two-year offer to Goldie, I think he would stay. I think that that's probably pretty far down the tracks. 
Take it or leave it. Mizzou needs to lock up head coach Dennis Gates. He's killing it on the recruiting trail. Added another top 60 player last night. I think they did last year, right? Right towards the yeah, end of the year. I think they've they already did. locked him up. Yes. I think he's got an outrageous buyout. Yeah, you can, only, you can only lock a guy up so much more than they already have. Yeah, it you don't cost need to TEO, extend cost him twice in six months. <laughs> I think he's uh, a very exciting coach. Great very, guy. Very, yeah, he is. Super nice. I'm still holding a grudge against him. Against Dennis Gates? Yeah. Because he be uh, oh, because he coerced you into saying yeah. Z O U. Oh yeah. 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 yeah he made it so, so dirty. Coerce yeah. is not the word. Gary got bullied. I got bullied. Gary yeah. got bullied yeah. on the air. <laughs> we, we and I had that. to stand up for yeah. myself the next time. Yeah. No! You don't oh, have that. Right. <laughs> I can I can go find go find it for the show <laughs> later. But he's just very convincing. You see how you see how good he is on the recruiting trail. A young man want to play for him. I get it. Yeah. Take it or leave it. Most people don't know that pumpkin spice doesn't include pumpkin. Don't, 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 don't. It did, it's just the that? magic of it, okay? Don't ruin that What are you talking about, sir or ma'am? What the hell are you now? Hey, don't you ruin my pumpkin spice filling? Your dream? Thoughts? Take it or leave it. The Cardinals should be interested in bringing in Michael Waka and Jose Quintana. Leave it. Oh, yeah. Bring, up, bring, bring back all <laughs> leave the old guys. Yeah, sign leave Steve it. Carlton. <laughs> <laughs> you, think yeah. he, you think he got a little left yeah. in the tank? Yeah, Trevor <laughs> Rosenthal. <laughs> Trevor probably still there. He was throwing gas when he was playing. He probably. was, yeah, but he, I don't think he's pitching like four years. Oh, well, what is Brett there. Cecil up to? There you go. He's available. <laughs> Let's give it a shot. What's he doing? I'm with you. They're yeah. probably still paying him a little bit, oh, aren't good they? Good ideas. Probably still paying him a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah, why not? Yeah, might as well. Get some use for that, like yeah. 300 grand left on the contract. Right. Yeah, you got one left? Uh, no, we're good. Okay, we're good. <laughs> there you go. Thanks for your text, kids. Uh, Ma- Matthew really loved your text. Uh, <laughs> now nah, we're good. Matthew really loved your text. <laughs> uh, coming up next, you oh, often God. complain, you, you people, yeah. complain about the Cardinals <laughs> only wanting to make the playoffs. But are they the only team that feels that way? And what about the teams that go all in? Would you rather be them? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. St. Louis Time Check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. You can watch us on the YouTube. All you need to do is go to YouTube.com, type in 101 ESPN STL, and uh, we'll pop up, and you'll be able to see us every morning. You'll be able to see every show. You can watch BK and Ferrario. You can see the glorious locks of Anthony Stalter on the fast lane <laughs> with Jamie Rivers. So, yeah, check that out. And we also have a lot of things going on there. Our weekly show from the Two Fox, uh, the 101 on Sports is there. Uh, Brooke and Polo have a great show called Balk About It that shows up every we week. We do. It's a baseball talk show where we talk about things going on in Major League Baseball. Obviously, Cardinals provide us plenty to talk about because Polo Sencio, for those who do not know, he's the Cardinal Spanish broadcaster, does a fantastic job. If you haven't listened to the Spanish broadcast, you're missing out because mm-hmm. the energy that Polo and Benji Molina bring to those broadcasts is just so much fun to listen to. And uh, we talk about 
about everything. Our latest episode just coming out yesterday on YouTube, you can check it out, is Trade Deadline Edition. We also like to have some fun on the show, so we discussed... Uh, if we were traded, our no trade list, oh, good. and maybe the team that we wouldn't go to. Okay, I like that. So yeah. we'll check that out on Bach about it. And we also have Carrie and Anthony talking some football. Yeah, we do. We uh, at the Gridiron guys, Anthony Stalter and myself, do that uh, once a week, and we're getting revved back up. Missed a few weeks because I was doing coaching football. So uh-huh. that uh, getting back that to sense. it now, and you no know, NFL season is right around the corner. So we've broken down the entire league by division and kind of gave our over under predictions for each team, and just talking about everything you need to know in regards mm-hmm. to what to expect this season, who to look out for, and uh, which team I think and he thinks is going to be really good this year. Gridiron mm-hmm. guys, and I know. What's the Titans for you, yeah. CD? Well, it may finish second in the Ryan division. Tannehill. Third. Mm-hmm. Underrated. Mm-hmm. Will Levis. They, they, got a, they got a guy in the backfield they can hand the ball off to. So yeah, they yeah. do. As long as he's there, he's yep. good. They're good. Yep. That's a good idea, guys. You can do everything. You can get to anything you want to see by going to 101ESPN.com or checking it out on the app. Interesting piece by Jason Stark at The Athletic talking about how teams are willing to just make the playoffs so that they can take a shot at getting hot and getting into the World Series. Uh, he, he writes, it would have made no sense to go that this route in a different world. It's easier to dream, and not merely because the 12-team field makes the postseason odds calculus look a lot different. It's because teams have seen what can happen if they just get in. They've seen the 2022 Phillies team sneak into the field by one game and then charge all the way to the World Series. They've seen the 2021 Braves team spend four months gurgling below 500 and then make a bunch of trades, change the outfield lines on the fly, and actually win the World Series. So why wouldn't there be 15 teams right now thinking that in a year like this with no 111 win super teams lurking that couldn't happen to them from an executive of one contender we all know the playoffs are a dice roll basically someone is going to get hot i just have no idea who that's something that john mosaic has said consistently that really bothers a lot of cardinal fans that when you get hot is the most important thing it's not the best team that wins on a pretty regular basis it's the team that's playing best in september and if you're good enough to make the playoffs as the phillies showed us last year and as the braves showed us a couple of years ago and as the cardinals have shown us in 2006 and 2011 it's about having a team that's good enough to get into the playoffs and then get hot and we've seen that in cardinals history too but you see it in other areas of sports you see it in march madness sometimes it's the hottest team that the most recently hot team that is able to go on and make um a deep push i think that that definitely factors into how the cardinals approach things we've heard them say many times that they're a second half of the season team or club and we see that i think that that affects a lot of their decisions to me i think that you can't go fully sometimes all in and i think when i'm thinking all in i'm thinking about what the mets did right they went and got a lot of pieces spent a lot of money in my opinion that is going all in and it's not working out for them because you have to address the other facets of the game i think that what all what else matters too is being able to analyze your deficiencies and fix that and also work on your product on the field that's fundamentals that's kind of the little small things of the game doing that stuff correctly and having that established and having the right pieces in the place and within the organization surrounding these players to be able to maximize them and i think the big thing with the cardinals and i get this from cardinal fans because i feel this way 
they came into the season with what I perceived as a lot of three, four, and five starters. Even though Adam Wainwright last year was seventh in innings pitched and fourteenth in earned run average in uh, in ma- major league or in the National League, and even though you had Michaelis who had had a rebound year, and you'd hoped for people that Libertor would step up or that Flaherty would bounce back or that Montgomery would morph into a, a number two, they didn't have a guy that if you played opening day against the Mets that you felt okay, I can pitch this guy against Verlander and Scherzer and feel like I have a chance. Or a guy that, if he's going against Clayton, Clayton Kershaw on opening day, that, okay, I feel like this guy has a chance. Or Spencer Strider. They didn't have that guy, and they still need that guy. It's one thing to say, okay, we've got a pretty good team that's going to get hot, but you need to have a number one starter that everybody falls in line behind. Why did the Cardinals win in 06 and 11? It wasn't because they were the best team. It was because they had Chris Carpenter leading their rotation. Why did the Braves win a couple of years ago? It wasn't because they were the best team. It was because at the front of their rotation, they had Freed and Wright and Charlie Morton. It happens every single year. And you go back last year to why the Astros won. It's because they had an amazing starting rotation with Valdez and Javier, who was healthy at the time. Uh, they uh, Garcia was terrific last year. It all comes down ultimately to having a front of the rotation starting pitcher. Well, and not just that with the starting rotation, but also the position players we saw with the Cardinals this season, where there was a lot of the same guys. So when you had those log jams in position, there was not really anybody that was separating themselves from the pack. Yeah, I think one of the things when you are obviously we would say get in the tournament, you got a chance to win. Mm-hmm. You got a chance to win it all. That that's the ultimate goal. I think it's important to remember it's hard to win a championship. It is extremely hard. You you, you look at the field and you say, oh, there's only 12 teams. It's hard as hell. That's going to be some of the hardest baseball, hardest football, hardest basketball that you have to play in your career to make it to press forward each round to make it to a championship and then win it. And so. If you're looking at what the Cardinals have right now, they have a lot of youth. They have a lot of guys that haven't had that experience. You're going to have one less guy. Now They got two guys right now that have won a championship. Next year, they're going to only have one if they don't go out and get someone in free agency or, or, or via trade. It's hard to know how to win a championship when you've never done it. Everyone says, mm-hmm. just get in. Get in. It'll take care of itself. Uh, it's not it's not as easy as people make it seem. Who was the the Cubs manager? They say he was a glass case of emotions when when they were in um David, David what when they uh, were in the championship. Was he talking uh, to, to um what the, who, the catcher? Oh, David Ross. David Ross. Yeah. When they were when they were oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, they were in talking the about the, the emotions that were mm-hmm. that are dealing these are are guys that have played the game their mm-hmm. entire lives, but when you get to that point it's hard to win a championship so you gotta just figure it out i mean you're figuring it out on the fly and when you have guys that have had that success it makes it easier for everyone in the room but when you have had when you don't have many guys on that roster that knows what it takes or the requirements to get there it's a little bit more difficult so Teams are just trying to get in and, and figuring it out and hope they get hot, but it's not an easy task. Well, and also that veteran presence and the guys who have been there done that before, it's also they know how to lead that group. They they have a clear identity. Don't you think that some of those veterans who have been there done that help in establishing that identity that you need to be able to win championships in the clubhouse, in the locker room? It matters. It, it, it definitely matters to have guys. I mean – when you're winning your first championship, you might have a lot of guys that have never done it before. But once they get that that feel for it, once they understand what it takes to make a run in the playoffs and the expectations of being dialed in every single day, 
it, it helps in that locker room and in that clubhouse. The good thing is that bringing bring in the context that a lot of other teams think this way has, has really settled well with the fans. I'm a Cardinals fan, but I feel most other teams want to win, while the Cardinals hope to win. Big difference in approach. Well, I, and I don't know that that is necessarily the case. If you look around, what makes it, what moves did the Giants execute? And I'm not talking about the failed Correa experiment, but what what did the San Francisco Giants do to make you think that they wanted to win? Here's a better example: What have the Atlanta or, or the uh, Houston Astros done? What have the Houston Astros done to make you think that oh, they really are going for it? They're the World Champions. What moves did they make before last season, before they won the World Championship, that made you think oh, they're really going for it? They all they did was brought back Justin Verlander from the. Uh, IL from from being on Tommy John surgery and you couldn't count on him and he won the Cy Young it, it worked out. Carrie, you remember last October when the playoffs started? Do you remember what team I said had no the one team of the twelve that were in the playoffs? What team did I say had no chance to win the was to it, make it to the World Series? No, or was it Philly? It was Philly. Philly, yeah. Philly it was, was Philly. Yeah. I, I, said, they, they, they. I, I said, I, I can make a case for every single team except for the Phillies yeah. to get to the World Series and win it. Well, and, and where did they go? They went to the World well, Series. That was our fault, Randy. Yeah. Not our fault, but yeah. our fault. Yeah. Cardinals. Yeah. We, we did that. Yeah. So it, you could really, if you want to argue, the teams that really, really want to win. Okay, you say the Cardinals really don't want to win. Well, the Mets apparently really wanted to win, right? Yeah. Padres really wanted to win. Yeah. Yankees really wanted to win. It, it, and that should let you know it's really hard to win. It, it, there is no there is no perfect example. You talk about the Rays and not spending a lot of money, they're winning. You talk about the Mets and the Padres spending a lot of money, and they're not winning. That fine recipe, it's not one specific thing. It's not spend a lot of money. It's not solely analytics. It's a, a mixture of all of those things that allow you, and then the people not the machines, not the numbers, the people that are in that clubhouse, in that locker room, in that on that field every single day, how they perform when those opportunities yeah. are presented. It's the human element is a big factor into that because you also, when you're evaluating talent, developing talent, especially at the big league level, that takes you being able to see the human element side of that as well to know how to maximize that talent and get the most out of them. And that also is the organization kind of setting the tone with the coaching staff of a clear message mm-hmm. and sticking to that message and not veering away from it at different points. How many times this season with the Cardinals has there been one message and then the message is changed to a different message? And I can't imagine that that I can't imagine, actually, that that is something that affects the players. Right. I mean, because if you're trying to establish an identity, but you're getting thrown a million different ways with messages, how do you establish that identity? You need to have. And it it seems like the championship teams are very clear in knowing who they are. It sounds very simple, but it seems like it's a little bit harder sometimes to find that. Yeah, and it's interesting to look around at the teams that are having success. And I always reference Bochy because he's won before. But what's he do? He surrounds himself with Will Venable as his associate manager. He's been around forever. Donnie Ecker is an established hitting coach. We all know about Mike Maddox and and what he's done. They've got a winning coaching staff there. Brian Snitker in Atlanta has Walt Weiss, a world champion, as his bench coach. Rick Kranitz, who's been around forever, is his pitching coach. Kevin Seitzer is his hitting coach. Kevin Seitzer's been around forever and has won. Uh, He's got Ron Washington, who's been a World Series manager as his third base coach. Having a veteran president. Uh, Brooke, you brought up identity. 
you can ease more easily develop an identity when you have a group of people that know how to win. Yes. And say, okay, this is what it looks like. This is how you do it. And then you develop your identity around that. I agree. And like I said, I, I don't... I, I would argue against the, the notion that the Cardinals don't want to win. Because uh, I'll say it again. If the Cardinals didn't want to win, then they wouldn't have Arenado and Goldschmidt exactly. and Contreras on the roster. Them. They yeah. would trade them. Right. So I, I would dispute that notion. Are they going for it like the Mets, Padres, Yankees? No. But uh, do they have a chance next year to be pretty good? As Mo said, it it's not as daunting as you might think it is because the Cardinals have done it before. But... They're going to have to be very creative, and they're going to have to do some things that they haven't done in the past. They're going to have to go past. Well, let's look at it this way: they're going to have to throw up. They're, they're going to they're have gonna... to reach their puke point. And they're going to have to throw up. As you're signing away those checks, just yeah. puke yeah. right on it. Yep. Uh, Birdwatch <laughs> is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're flying down to the field to give you the latest on your St. Louis Cardinals. This is Bird Watch on the opening drive. It is time for the Bird Watch here on 101 ESPN. Brooke, Kerry, Randy, Brooke, take it away. My Bird Watch is. Guess who is back, guys? The Paul lizard. Oh, no. Oh. Not not Paul DeYoung. Oh, he's been back. Jeff Lanerty? No. Mm, Jordan Montgomery. Trace Pereira. No. No. Oh. They don't need a fourth catcher? Okay. You never know. Sometimes they like to keep those. Mike Schilt. T- Taylor Motter? He, oh, <laughs> I don't know. Mike Schilt. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Schilt's the one that put a curse on this team. Anyways, uh... The Lizard King is back from his suspension. Mm-hmm. Miles Michaelis. Miles Jeez. Michaelis is going to be back tonight. He is 6-7 and seven with a 4.29 ERA. It's going to be interesting to watch because I think I saw this is six days of rest for him technically, that his ERA is not typically great, I guess, when he has that many days of rest. So that's something to watch for tonight uh, against the Rays. But it will be very um, interesting to see Miles Michaelis with his return Glad to see him back after that suspension. Good for him. Yeah, yeah and, for him. And, and a well-deserved suspension, if I must add. I, he, <laughs> you throw at a guy for hitting your guy in the back of the head. Yeah, good. I, I, yeah. Proud of you. Very proud of you. And That's how you stand up for your guys. He did. Make a decision, stand up for him, and don't budge on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for that. I'm going to look at this outfield, and we have, uh, you know, we've been talking about what is going to take place next year and and really for I guess for a few years to come with this Cardinals outfield right now you got five guys still you still Mm -hmm. got Alec Burleson who is hitting the ball really well Mm -hmm. you got Tyler O'Neill you got Jordan Walker you got Dylan Carlson you got Lars Newbar you got three spots you got five guys obviously all five of those guys cannot and will not play so the question will become are there are are any of those guys potential trade pieces in the offseason Um, We talked about maybe you want to see how well Tyler O'Neill plays down the stretch because that could be an opportunity for him to be moved if the Cardinals were willing to do so. But you also have to take into consideration that they've talked about Victor Scott being the the future Mm -hmm. center fielder. You talked about drafting a Chase Davis in the first round, another outfielder. When does this outfield and how does this outfield start to 
thin shape. out and shape up <laughs> yeah. and figure out who's where and who's solidified in their role. I think that's going to be really important to watch, you know, this offseason and going into 2024 because we've heard that Victor Scott is going to be your starting center fielder at some point. And then again, you got Chase Davis. You got some pay, some people that are on their way up. And mm-hmm. you're going to be in the log jam again in two to three years with, with some of the same pieces, some of the same issues you have you have right now. So I, I want to see how this outfield shapes up over the next, I guess, what are we, six to six, to six months? Figure out what's going to go on with the uh, with the free agency. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to watch. And I think that one of the trades that we were watching before the trade deadline, there was a lot of talk still going on with Dylan Carlson and the Yankees. It seems like they were fine with parting with him or else that name wouldn't be out there. Mm-hmm. But the Cardinals were wanting a starting pitcher in return. And it seems like that's where the Yankees and the Cardinals couldn't come to some sort of agreement. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're going to revisit that this offseason to see if they can move or even package some guys to be able to find some sort of pitching. Dylan Carlson seems to have continued to just fall out of favor with this club. It feels like cold, dead hands no longer. It's mm-hmm. hot hands. They're ready. Hot potato. They're ready to get them out of the hands of <laughs> their hands right now. Um, it's going to be interesting to watch and see, but I don't know. And it seems like Alec Burleson actually garnered some interest from teams mm-hmm. too. One of the things you, you realize, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's hard. It's like a quarterback. When you got two quarterbacks, you got none. Mm-hmm. And so you you gotta you're trying to rotate guys and you never really get a feel for the game. Same thing with running backs. When you you choose to let them go every other series or whatever the case may be, you don't get a real feel for the game. At some point, these guys are gonna have to play every single day without any you know, days off possibly, but just let them throw them out there, three guys, and those are your three guys you gotta roll with. And it looks like it's gonna be Tyler O'Neill and Lars Newbar and Jordan Walker. They're going to be playing every day, and Alec Burleson is going to fill in where he can. Dylan Tyler Carlson O'Neal. is going to come in and fill in where he can. Yeah, and and that that's going to be what it is. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You can do a splat for me if you want. You want to do a splat? Splats are fun. Kids, no. as you know, the Cardinals have played better defensively over the course of the last month, but they're still number 24 in outs above average. That's a key statistic for the numbers, folks. Cardinals have a lot of numbers, folks. Outs above average <laughs> is a, a big one. They're 24th in that. They're 14th in defensive runs saved. Uh, guess what team is number one in outs above average in all of Major League Baseball? Which one? Hmm. Your San Diego Padres. Whoa. Guess which team is third in defensive runs saved in Major League Baseball? Whoa. Your San Diego Padres. Hmm. Guess who the third base coach is for your San Diego Padres? Ooh. It's one Mike Schilt. Ah! Good defense seems to follow this guy around. I don't know if he's just getting lucky finding good defensive <laughs> players or if he might have something to do with fundamentals. But they're one of the best base running teams in baseball. They're number one, by the way, in earned run average, which is a pretty good thing. It's kind of weird that they aren't better than they are. But one thing about Mike Schilt is he took that little leather book from... George Kissel, and he put it to use. So congratulations to him and to the Padres for having what is arguably the best defensive team in Major League Baseball. Even though they aren't doing so great, they built, they they added at the deadline, and I still wouldn't be surprised if the Padres wind up in the playoffs. Hmm. It is very interesting, the Padres this season. We're talking about teams where they spent a lot of money and just things have not panned out. Maybe they also look at the World Baseball Classic because they had several players. Maybe they're looking at that and like, yeah, it's just the World Baseball Classic. That's everybody's favorite excuse to pull out, right? I I think losing Mike Schilt in the long run is something that really could affect or is affecting the Cardinals organization just because of, I mean, how many years that he was 
in that system, the Cardinals way. And to lose that, that's something that also is a ripple effect throughout the rest of your organization, too. Yeah, it has dramatically affected this organization Mm -hmm. for the worse. And by the way, the Padres tied with the Giants for the National League lead at 3.84. And interestingly, if you look at the Major League stats, the top teams in earned run average, I don't know why this is. Maybe somebody can explain it to me. Blue Jays, Astros, Rays, Mariners, Twins, Guardians. The top six teams in in earned run average are all from the American League. And then you have the Giants and, and Padres in the National League. I don't know why the American League has uh, better earned run averages than the National League does, but they do. Maybe it has to do with the quality of the pitchers. I don't know. Possibly. <laughs> Could be. <Yeah. laughs> That's Birdwatch here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got another edition of The Fight. I wonder if our guy is back from vacation this year, this week, today. Is he? He was driving back yesterday during so the fight. He, he made it back, back yeah. during the fight, Randy. He made it back yesterday during the fight. During the fight. Okay, yeah. good. What's his name? <laughs> Jeff. Jeff, looking forward to having him back on The Fight here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight in the red corner, average Joe listener, and in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter for the second day in a row is Jeff. Jeff, how you doing? Doing great. Doing great. You uh, you made it home from your trip from Florida, I, I assume. Yes, we did. Uh-huh. Now, Long time. now, when you won the fight, was there a, a victory celebration in the car with your family? Were they excited, as excited as you were? Uh, yeah, you know, it was just my dad and I, and he was more, I was driving at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and he was more concerned with me paying attention. So. I, I, I understand. <laughs> I, I understand completely. Glad you all made it back safely, and uh, let's see if you can get a, another win versus Megamind today. Awesome. All Thank right, here you. we go. After a late-night win yesterday, there is just one Major League Baseball team who is undefeated since the deadline, ripping off seven straight. Which AL club is it? Is it the New York Yankees, the Cleveland Guardians, or the Texas Rangers? Uh, Cleveland Guardians. On this day in 1997, Mark McGuire hit his first career National League home run in his second at-bat as a Cardinal. McGuire has four total 50-plus home run seasons other than Babe Ruth, who is the only other player to do it. Is it Barry Bonds, Aaron Judge, or Sammy Sosa? Sammy Sosa. Built in 1948, Mile High Stadium was originally originally built for which Denver sporting team? Is it the Denver Broncos, the Colorado Rockies, or the Denver Bears? Denver Bears. Only one NFL franchise has a career-leading passer with less than 20,000 yards, the Buccaneers, who is their all-time career-passing leader. Is it Doug Williams, Jeff Garcia, or Jameis Winston? 
Jeff Garcia. All right, we will double-check our score, and then we will bring in Randy Carricker. Jeff, how you feel? Uh, about the same as yesterday, so we'll just <laughs> see what happens. I can't. Well, Randy is coming in. He he got to a uh, Diet Dr. Pepper early today, oh. and that, that kind of signified, oh, wow. that, that scared me a little bit. He came in around 8 a.m. with the Diet Dr. Pepper. He's got a feeling of the, the dull head. Okay. Well, you, know, you know how that goes. Randy, say hello to Jeff. Jeff, good morning. How you doing? You remember him. You all spent a lot of time together I yesterday. Did. He did. <laughs> yeah, he hung up on me. Well, he's back. I'm glad to tell you there's, there's no NFL draft questions today. So. <laughs> All right, ready? Here we go. All right. After a late night win yesterday, there is only one Major League Baseball team who is undefeated since the deadline, ripping off seven straight. Which AL club is it? Um, who had been unbeaten? Somebody had not lost since the deadline. Um, well, let's figure this out. It's not the Angels. Uh, so we can just go through. I don't think Oakland has had the the winning streak. Angels, A's, Mariners, um, Rangers, Astros, they've lost. Um, Yankees, Red Sox, um, Royals, Rays, Jays. Uh, and then the Royals with cheese, maybe? Uh, Royals, White Sox, Indians, Tigers. Um Hell, I don't know. I'll go with our uh, Red Hot Royals with cheese. On this day in 1997, Mark McGuire hit his first career National League home run in his second at-bat as a Cardinal. McGuire had four total 50-plus home run seasons other than Babe Ruth, who is the only other player to do it. Four-plus 50 home run seasons. Well, Sammy had 360 home run seasons. Um, so let's see. Did he have another 50? I don't think he did. Uh, Brooke, I think I'll do the old lifeline here. Ooh, okay. Barry Bonds, Aaron Judge, Sammy Sosa. Well, I don't think it's, uh, Barry. Because Barry, I don't think hit more than, I think the only time he hit more than 50 was when he hit the 73. And Judge did, maybe, nah, I don't think so. I think Judge did his rookie year, then he had the injuries, and then he had last year. So I guess I will go with Sammy. Built in 1948, Mile High Stadium was originally built for which Denver sporting team? Oh, interesting question. What what year was it built? 1948. Huh. I'll go the Denver Bears. Only one NFL franchise has a career-leading passer with less than 20,000 yards, the Buccaneers. Who is their all-time career passing leader? Mm, Let's see. Um, Well, it's not Brad Johnson who won the Super Bowl for him. There's only one guy with more than 20,000. Off the top of my head, the first guy that I think of that could be the guy is Vinny Testaverde. Steve Young never got, he only played a couple of years there. I don't believe that Doug Williams got over 20. Maybe he did. So it'd be between those two, probably. I don't, Jameis? Jameis played five years, had a 5,000 yard season. So five, it started as a rookie, six, seven, eight. I'm going to say three, six, nine, 12. So maybe he got to 17, 18. 
Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut it down here to Testaverde and uh, and Jameis, and I'm gonna go with Vinny. I'm gonna go with Vinny Testaverde. This was an extremely close fight. So close, in fact, we have another tie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Look at you, Jeff. Here we go. Good job, Jeff. You forced a tiebreaker again. Can you get win number two? We'll see. As you learned yesterday, we're going to read out the question. Then we're going to give Randy a moment to write down his answer. Then we will get your answer audibly. And then whoever's closest to the pin is going to win this fight question. Do you understand and remember those rules, Jeff? I do. All right, Randy, do you have a piece of paper ready? I got a piece of paper ready, yeah. All right, Ken, but a piece of paper, definitely. Do you need a pen? I got a pen. Okay. Good. In his split season across Oakland and STL in 1997, how many home runs did Mark McGuire hit? In his split season across Oakland and STL in 1997, how many home runs did Mark McGuire hit? Just one moment here, Jeff. We are getting Randy to write down his answer. Randy is showing Carrie, and I'm catching it now. There it is. Okay. What is your guess, Jeff? 47. All righty. We're just doing a little quick math here. We have a winner in today's fight. No need for a second tiebreaker question. Does Jeff roll on to a potential Hall of Fame opportunity, or does Megamind get his revenge on day two? Ring. That bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is presented oh. by Golf Discount of St. Louis with the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? Just win, baby. Randy, do us all a favor. Put the uh, put the put your your uh, oh, pad up to yeah. the camera. There it is. Randy's guess was 54. Jeff, your guess was 47. Mark McGuire hit 58 home runs across those two teams in his split season. So unfortunately, Randy Carricker just four off from your 11 off, and he's going to win the fight today. Nice try, Jeff. You took it to round two, and you got so close. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Good Thank you. Jeff. No problem. Let's go through those answers. After a late-night win yesterday, there's just one MLB team who was undefeated since the deadline, and it was the Texas Rangers holding off the Athletics late last night for their ah. seventh straight win. Obviously, uh, making some moves can help sometimes. On this day in 1997, Mark McGuire hit his first NL home run in his second at-bat as a Cardinal. He would hit 50 home runs four times in his career. Babe Ruth and Sammy Sosa are the only other players to do it. Built in 1948, Mile High Stadium was originally built for the Denver Bears of AAA baseball. Uh, Bears slash the Zephyrs were the original reason that Mile High was built, which I learned yesterday and is actually insane to me. And only one NFL franchise has a clear leading passer with less than 20,000 yards. It is the Buccaneers, and their all-time career-leading passer is Jameis Winston with 19,727 yards. Famous Jameis is a career-leading passer in the NFL, so a 2-2 tie took us to that final question and again in 1997. 58 home runs for Mark McGuire. So Jeff, thank you so much for joining us, joining the show, and joining the fight these last two days. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, guys. Thank Take you, care. Jeff. Good Jeff, job. have a great day. So there we, we've got Jeff here on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, a lot going on. NFL training camps are underway. Are you okay, Brooke? You, you, yeah, you. no, somebody just texted in. I guessed 57. I would have won. Okay. <laughs> good. Right. good job. Good. I was thinking, because I knew he had 24 for the Cardinals. I was thinking he came over with 30. But he came over with 34. I'm so glad. You know what? The original tiebreaker was how many did he hit with the Cardinals in oh. that half season. I'm really glad I changed it. Yeah. Made it a little interesting for everybody. Uh, the night that uh, he signed his 
extension with the Cardinals was amazing. They were playing the Dodgers. He, he owned Ramon Martinez. And so first home run, or first at-bat after he signs the extension, he has a, a press conference in the afternoon. He cries because he's so excited about being here. And then first at-bat, uh, he hits a ball off of the eye in McGuire on the scoreboard <laughs> off of Ramon Martinez. It was un- unbelievable. He had, you talk about... A flair for the dramatic. Big Mac had a flair for the dramatic. How many people had like a, a joke about like cro- dotting the I's and crossing the T's on a contract? After yeah, that? right. Like it's like yeah. that writes itself. Yeah, you unbelievable. Didn't, you didn't play any sounds after you won. Yeah, right. you didn't do that. Somebody. Oh, no, did you? I didn't. We missed it. I think yeah, people are used to like a just, lot of the sounds. Uh, okay. Maybe it was just that. Just happened. There you go. You're last. There you go. There we go. Fun, Jeff. Excuse me job. while I whip this out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> no. Yeah. I don't think I've seen. I've heard that one before. There you go. YouTube definitely misses out on this. We oh, we always man. get messages on the YouTube chats like I can't hear it. Uh, <sighs> missing out on the good fun. <laughs> NFL news and notes coming your way next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. NFL news and notes. And Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow, we saw a couple of weeks ago when he left the field with a calf strain. And now there is speculation that he might miss the first five weeks of the regular season. That would obviously be a dent for the the Bengals, but I wonder how serious CD it would really be if the Bengals would not have him. If you look at their schedule early on in the season, and let me get to uh, the Bengals here, I, I don't think that living without Burrow would be that devastating for them. Uh, they start off with uh, the Browns, mm-hmm. and it's a win, and then they're they've got the Ravens at home, they have the Rams at home, then they go to Tennessee, and then they're at Arizona. I think they would be fine without Joe Burrow for the first five weeks against that group. Well, I don't think he's going to miss a significant amount of time. I, the thing that <laughs> I, I sort of laughed at when I saw people making such a big hubbub about the injury, he already had a calf sleeve on, which lets me mm-hmm. know that he was already injured in terms of feeling pain in that calf. If he wasn't feeling pain, he wouldn't have had a calf leave on. So there was some pain that was already there. It probably popped or or stretched. It'll be a two- to three-week injury where you just sit down, you can't do anything, and he's not doing a ton of running. There Now, he has to drop back, which can can impact the calves, but – it's not a uh, it's not like a running back or somebody that has to make a lot of jump cuts, a receiver, a DB that is in and out of breaks. I don't think it's a big deal. And again, he had the calf sleeve on already, which lets me know that he was already sore to some degree. Jamar Chase saying, I told him in all honesty, I don't want him there. I sat out an extra game just to let my hip, hip heal all the way up. You don't want to cause problems later in the season. As long as you're there after week five and on, we're good, brother. So <laughs> I just wonder. And uh Let's see. They've got uh, Trevor Simeon as their backup. But let me just uh, have you go, CD, uh, WL, at Cleveland for the opener. And this is without Burrow with Trevor Simeon starting. So you still have Mixon in the backfield. You still have Chase and Higgins and Boyd. And you still have uh, that that good offensive line. So at Cleveland for the opener with Trevor, Trevor Simeon under center. I would probably say L. Okay. I mean, I, I think and Trevor Simeon does not give you a lot to no. be excited about. No. He's a he's a good player, but not he's nowhere near Joe, Joe Burrow. Ravens at home. That's an L. Yeah. Uh, 
Rams at home. I would say a win. I would say two. Uh, at Titans. That's a toss-up. Meh, I'm going to say loss. At Titans. Okay, and then at Cardinals. Win. So you're two and three coming yeah. out, and then you have to uh, play uh, Seattle at home. Then you go to San Francisco. You've got the Bills at home, and then the Texans. So really tough four-game, five-game stretch coming out of there. Yeah. Uh, more NFL news and notes here on 101 ESPN. The uh, the uh, Cincinnati Bengals with Patrick Mahomes moving towards, apparently, a contract extension. He's got to get He's got to become the highest-paid guy, right? So what does he get? Does he get 270 over five? Oh, yeah, I, I, the numbers are, are going to be through the roof. You know, it, it's when one person gets paid, the next person is going to get paid more, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so he's up. He'll be due up next. And I, I, guess, I guess my question is, at what point do you say – we got to field a team. Right. <laughs> and, and Chris Jones still isn't there. <laughs> right. So that's one of the main concerns with with whenever you sign your quarterback to a huge deal, you pretty much know that's going to – the team is done after that point. Yeah. We saw with Russell Wilson in Seattle. That team was well put together. But once you had to pay the quarterback, it makes it yeah. tough to field a good enough team, which is why the Patriots were so good for so many years because Tom Brady didn't feel the need to take to be the highest-paid quarterback in the league year after year. A couple of other Chiefs notes. Brett Veach, their GM, saying they have no intention of trading Chris Jones, and they feel pretty good about having both Kadarius Tony and Isaiah Pacheco for the opener, both of those skills position players missing time with injury. I like Isaiah Pacheco, and I really like Kadarius Toney. I think him getting a full year under his belt, he got traded over midseason last year, and you could see the the athleticism. He's not Tyreek Hill. No one in the NFL is, but his ability to make people miss in and out of breaks is fantastic, and once he gets acclimated in that offense and is able to do all of the things that he is blessed to do, it's going to be a, a very good wide receiver for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. St. Louis and Jamison Williams will miss the first six weeks because of a suspension for gambling, but he is able to practice and play in uh, training camp and, and during preseason games. He's been injured, but he's going to be back on the field. As a matter of fact, uh, during today's joint practice with the Giants, Dan Campbell expects Jamison Williams to be able to take full reps. Well, I mean, he's a he's a special player, and and I was reading some some things from Calvin Johnson saying how well prepared he is for this season and how electric he's going to be for this season. It's a rough start to his career because you missed some time last year because you were coming off of an ACL injury, and now you're coming off of a a a suspension. When you are able to get back into the season, he'll get into it midway through, but. All in all, I think he's going to be a spectacular football player. That team has Amon Ross St. Brown. Mm-hmm. They drafted Jameer Gibbs. They are offensively, they got a lot of talent there. And so I think they're going to be really good when Jameson gets back into the fold. It's going to be hard to, uh, to, to figure out who they're going to stop. And finally, and this is one for the fullback because you'll love this. And as much as you hate the purple, you, you've got to like this. Patrick Ricard has joined the offensive line of the Baltimore Ravens, trying his third position. Pro Bowl fullback the last four seasons worked exclusively with the offensive line yesterday after he was activated off the pup list. Yeah, he's like uh, six feet to 300 pounds. Think he's a huge human being. He does. He he shows some great athleticism. Kendrick Green. He's, he's at, listed six three three oh five. Yeah, he's a huge he's a huge fella. Kendrick Green, former starting center for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, is getting reps at fullback. So you yeah, know, just little flopping, flip. little flip flop. Yeah. Would you have liked to have done that? Now you weren't three hundred pounds. Heck no. <laughs> I don't want to block. <laughs> hey, Randy, we had a rule in the running back room. We don't block D linemen. We cut them. 
Uh-huh. So I don't I don't have any desire to block a 330 pound man that moves people for a living. Other 300 pound men. I, I'm I was 240 pounds, 235. And this is why it's different for Patrick Ricard. I did not know this. His first three years in the league, he did spot duty at defensive tackle. Yeah, he actually had yeah, third eight, position. He had 18. Yeah. Ta- he had 18 tackles at defensive tackle his first yeah, three years. I had huge, no idea. He's a big fella. Yeah, you remember nah. when the Seahawks? They had that former Raiders head coach as their offensive line coach. Ta, 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 ta. Tom Cable. Tom Cable, yep. And they would always bring in defensive linemen and flip them to the offensive <laughs> yeah. line and say, here you go. Yeah. Here, here's, yeah. here's a big guy for you to coach up. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. One of my good friends, Brandon Moore, you, you may not know him. Mm-hmm. If I tell you butt fumble, you will know who. He's the butt. Yeah. But he was a starting defensive tackle for us our entire college career and then had a 10, 12 year as a starting offensive lineman for the Jets. So. It yeah, does happen. Not bad. Yeah. And one other one, we got to get our Titans note in here because we are a, as much a Steelers show as we are. We're a Titans show, too. And Mike Vrabel said he's going to have assistant head coach, defensive line coach Terrell Williams handle the head coaching duties in the preseason opener against the Bears. I love seeing this. This happens in baseball a lot where a manager will allow somebody else to run the team. I, I love the idea of giving somebody that opportunity to basically run the show for a game. Yeah, it's very interesting uh, what's going on with that. I haven't had too much of a chance to dive into it, but I saw a little bit of the quotes coming out. I'll be interested to see what that looks like. Yeah, and just great experience for somebody. If you can, if you've had the, Carrie, you you do it all the time as a head coach. It's kind of like in basketball; that eighteen inches is a big difference. Yes, right. And yes. when you have the big set of headphones on, it's a big difference. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a it's a different thing, man. It's just. Being out there, being involved in it is going to be a it's a tough task, and it's tough for everybody to to really be dialed in and locked in and doing their job effectively. Is it hard to be your own personality? Let me couch this and tell uh, you can tell me what you think. When Al Saunders was originally on Mike Mart's first staff with the Rams in 2000, Al, t- Al Saunders said to me, he said, I'll be really interested to see how Mike reacts because it's easy to be aggressive when you don't have the W or the yeah. L next to your name. Yeah, it, it, it does change that. I call offensive plays for our team, and so it makes it – there are some things you have to think about. You you know it's it's on you. When you're not the, the head coach and you can just call plays defensively, offensively, you don't really think about the impact of the total game. As the head coach, you are – dialed into every aspect of the team going forward on fourth down how is that going to impact my defense if I'm not able to get a stop how is that impacting my offense it's so many other things that you are locked in and concerned about as opposed to just one side of the ball and worried about that yeah and by the way Mike Martz from 2000 to 2005 the middle of 2005 including playoffs the Rams won 56 games, 2000 to 2005. From the time he left in the middle of 2005 until they left until 2015, they won 56 games. He won 56 games in five years. They won 56 games in 10. They should have kept them around. Huh? Yeah, it would have been a good thing. <laughs> uh, those are your NFL news and notes on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got our rush hour reset, plus another Bud Bash ticket. Give away your opportunity to head to a Cardinals game for a Gary Gaetti bobblehead. That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to recap the biggest sports stories of the day on the Opening Drive with a Rush Hour Reset. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf.
Cardinals were off last night. They will be in action tonight in Tampa. And the Tampa Bay Rays have the third best record in baseball. They've tapered off after an incredibly hot start. But our buddy Greg Amzinger of MLB Network still believes that the Tampa Bay Rays are the favorite to win the World Series. They've dealt with some injury issues, uh, especially with their ace pitcher, Shane McClanahan. But they've got McClanahan and Tyler, Tyler Glass now both pitching in their rotation now. And the Cardinals will have their hands full with a team that has the 27th highest payroll in baseball. And it's not a fluke. They do it every single year. They have a low payroll and mm-hmm. high production from their players. It's very interesting what they have been able to build. And I know that some people texted in earlier because we had Sam McNeil on. He mentioned how the Rays passed on Albert Pujols. But they are still the envy in a lot of ways of other Major League Baseball teams because of what you just said there. The payroll and their ability to, it seems like, figure out other teams' talent better than their, the mm-hmm. team does and how they're able to maximize guys is something that I think is coveted across Major League Baseball. I called them earlier the Antiques Roadshow of Major League Baseball, <laughs> how they're able to find basically like the diamond in the rough. Being able to maximize that talent is the envy of a lot of people. They trade typically pretty well for guys who are talented. We talked about Pete Fairbanks earlier, how they're able to maximize him. I know that he's been injured, but when he's healthy... When he's healthy, he is one of the best relievers in the game right now. So it's very interesting to watch what they've been able to build. And we talked about uh, Kyle Snyder, their pitching coach, and how he's able to evaluate and maximize the talent of the pitchers. But also, I added another name in there that I found interesting when I was researching last night. They call him J-Money the process and analytics coach, a guy who the highest he's ever played is T-ball when it comes to baseball, fell in love with Moneyball, read the book, saw the movie, all that stuff, and uh, just decided to pursue that career. Princeton degree, he's somebody on the analytics side that actually seems to be helping them. His name is Jonathan Ehrlichman, and today is also the anniversary. Yeah, of the, the 50th anniversary yeah. of, uh, of Richard Nixon what resigning due to the Watergate scandal. <laughs> We're talking John Ehrlichman. It's so it's so weird, right? <laughs> totally. Like that was that was not planned, but somebody pointed that out on the text line earlier, and it's it's weird how things work out. It'll be interesting to see Miles Michaelis returning to the bump tonight too. So we'll we'll see how that goes for him after his suspension. Mm-hmm. I think one of the the important things to to take into consideration it is hard to it's hard to win a championship, right? We talked about that earlier, but it's also hard to evaluate and get it right. You you can. Yeah. You can have all of the the answers to what a person looks like, their velocity, their height, their weight, their their speed, how bad how fast they swing their bat, the exit velocity. But what there are some things internally that you cannot figure out about a player, how he's going to respond in certain situations. Is he going to fold when the pressure is too much? Is he going to rise to the occasion? Those are things that you find out in the process and you know you, you may not be aware of it prior to so you know it, it's it, the evaluation process is it's obviously on the person that's doing the evaluating but it's also on the person that's playing to make that person right you have to be able to put all of these factors in and say okay this is what I believe that they can be or that they are and now they have to just go out and do that and there's a couple of other things about Tampa number one 
to go along with what you're saying. They need to do that because they can't afford to keep a David Price. They can't afford to keep a James yes. Shields. They can't afford to keep a, a Chris Archer or Blake Snell, uh, Brandon Lau. They, they just can't. And so they have to replace them somehow. Their drafting is not the best. It doesn't rise to the level even of the Cardinals drafting. But being able to recognize a Randy Rosarena or a Yandy Diaz uh, really or getting a glass now for Chris Archer really does benefit them. And then the other part of it is, is under Andrew Friedman and Joe Madden, they really went hard on the analytics side. And now they've hired scouts and Kevin Cash is not as much of an analytics guy. They're one of the most exciting teams in baseball. They run, they hit and run. Mm -hmm. They've always played great defense, but they've kind of gotten away from that belief. Oh, we only have 27 outs. We better better treat them like gold. They'll gamble a little bit. And that's one of the reasons that they're good. And a lot of their gambles do pay off. You mentioned how they're, they were trading weight guys. Some of those names that you mentioned, Those are guys that you would maybe some people would keep as core pieces, but it seems like they were able to get lucky with trading at the right time. I mean, look at Chris Archer, for example, like how that paid off for them. There's many examples of that, of where their gambles have paid off, especially from a money wise standpoint. And I think a lot of teams would like to emulate that in some ways. Oh, yeah. If you can spend less and win as much. Yeah, you take that advantage. You take advantage of that. They've been to two World Series since they came into existence. And the San Diego Padres have been to two World Series since they came into existence. Tampa Bay has never loaded up on salary like the Padres have right now or like they did in 2012. They've never Tampa Bay has always been a low budget operation that has really high performance. And that's what you're talking about is every team would love to have that sort of budget but that's that sort of performance, too. And even the Yankees, who make $600 million, they would love to be able to do what Tampa Bay does. Someone from the 314 texted in, guys, if the rest of Major League Baseball would just refuse to make trades with Tampa, they wouldn't be so good. When will the rest of the league learn? <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Something they can all unify on. Stop trading to them. Yeah, yeah. clearly we don't know much as, as much as they do. <laughs> not doing it well enough. But again, uh, I think when you look at what the Cardinals, you would have to assume that every person that they have on this roster, they felt going into the season and at some point during the season that this person was going to be a vital part to this ball club to helping win games. And again, that's why it's you do all of your scouting, you do all your evaluating. It, it It's on the players. I mean, there is nothing that told uh, a scout that Jordan Hicks was going to airmail a ball to first mm-hmm. base when they were, where was Tampa, right? Or was it Miami? Miami. Miami. It that, when Miami. they were playing in Miami, that he was going to airmail a ball. He, he's probably done that a thousand times and threw it correctly right <laughs> to the center of the, of, the, of the first baseman's glove. It just sometimes things happen, and that is not evaluation. That's on the players performing. Yeah, and – Tampa Bay, for whatever reason, has been able to get their their people to perform. So congratulations to them. Cardinals with a three-game series against the Rays. And as we mentioned earlier, Miles Michaelis, the Lizard King, will get the start for the Redbirds. And hopefully they can, well, it doesn't matter if they get a win. Do you guys even care anymore? Mm, No. I'm I'm all about the draft choice. (laughs) You're all in on the draft choice? Yep. So it's... Matthews with me. No, I just he, want to see Miles Michaelis have a good start. Like that's. Well, that's I just need to see, keep yeah. seeing Miles Michaelis show that he can be a number two and that you can you know buy buy and trade a, a one and a three at a round. Right if now, we're, if we're still are we still numbering rotation pitchers? I didn't know if we stopped doing that. No, you don't do that. that you, okay, my you bad. Just, you get you get five it's on me. people. That's on me. That's on me. And you it's pay me. them all 
ten million dollars across the board, and those are your. And then you mix and match as the days go. You, if you want to pitch a guy two days in a row, because it doesn't matter, you do that too. Yep. Michael is against Zach Eflin tonight. <laughs> Next up, the Cardinals are in Florida. I'm guessing that Mike Claiborne is with them because he kind of likes Florida. It's coming your way next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The Cardinals in Tampa, Tampa Bay, in St. Petersburg, actually, to take on the Rays for the next three days. And Mike Claiborne, who can be heard on Cardinal broadcasts on the Cardinal Radio Network and KMOX, joins us now from Tampa, or from St. Pete. Good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm doing well. Doing well. Trying to uh, enjoy the weather here. It's a little stuffy, but, you know, it's, it's August, so I, I accept it. So let's, uh, let's get the situation down here. Are you guys actually staying in St. Pete because you're near the stadium? Yeah. Yeah, we stay in St. Pete. Okay, good. And that's under, uh, but an underrated area. It's a great spot to be. Oh man, you know what? I, so I would come here when the Cardinals used to train here, and you look at it now, it, it's incredible what they've done here. Uh, and I think the one mistake they made, you know, when they wanted a new ballpark, they probably should have put it over here. I mean, closer. There's plenty of room for. At least there was. Uh, but I don't know where that's going to go, but the area has certainly come back. Claves, St. Pete is one of my favorite places in the world. Um, I used to stay there for a little while, and I would visit an establishment who had a woman named J-Lo there, but it was not the J-Lo that we know. <laughs> so, oh, okay. Just, uh, just to <laughs> that heads up. Don't, don't, know, don't know if J-Lo is still around, but uh, yeah, she was a pretty nice young lady. I- I should look her up, is what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, 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 you see, yeah, you should. <laughs> should, I, should I mention your name? You know, you could, I mean, you that, could. That, she, that maybe she remembers. Yeah, maybe she remembers. Clay, what do the Cardinals need? What do you need to see from them? I mean, we we, we saw Zach Thompson last last outing go give you eight, give you eight strikeouts, four innings. Um, what do you need to see from this starting rotation tonight? Consistency. You know, uh, Maz Michaels is going tonight, and – Obviously, he's been off for a little while longer because of the suspension. Uh, but they just have to be consistent. They have to throw strikes uh, and, and have a game plan. I mean, you know, it's you know the, the game is changing with regard to from going from pitching to contact to swing and miss. And if you don't have guys who have swing and miss stuff to mix with uh, a few guys with pitch to contact where you need a ground ball, uh, it's gonna, it's hard to win. It's it's really hard to win now. So I like to see some consistency. You know, we've seen Matt and Zach Thompson have a couple of good outings. And so you ask yourself the question, will these guys be part of the equation for next year? Next year, And the answer is yes. Uh, so that means you need two starters. Mm. And where those two starters come from, via trade or, you know, maybe free agency. Uh, but you, you, you better have more than what you, you currently thought you had going into this year. Clay, when you talk about Zach Thompson, one of the things they wanted to do was stretch him out. How long does it take for a pitcher to be stretched out to become a starter? Well, that's a good question. Uh, some guys are a little different than others. Uh, I think if you've done it before as a starter, it's a little easier because you'll have a routine that'll get you going. If you haven't and you've just been a bullpen guy, it's just about building up a pitch count and being able to be effective with more than one pitch. So it, it's a little different. You know, Thompson came in as a reliever. He, he was a starter in college for the most part, and then they relegated him to being a reliever. And now they want him to try and start again. But the problem he had was command. He just didn't have any command in Memphis. 
where this came from the other day, uh, it all has everyone scratching their heads because they hadn't seen much of that this year in Memphis. Well, speaking of Memphis, I wanted to ask you about Luke and Baker. A lot of people talking about his success and his offensive production. He's hitting 337 and has 31 home runs right now. Is there a way that the Cardinals find uh, a role to bring him back up here in the big league cup? You know, good question. Uh, I, I think, you know, here's a, the challenge that you have. You, you can only bring up three guys, you know, at, after September. So one, I'm sure will be a pitcher. Uh, you know, the other ones, I think you have to figure out how your roster is going to shake out as it looks now because, you know, uh, Mason Wynn will already be here. So I think Luke and Baker will probably be a guy that they'll give another look to. And, and you know, if nothing else, showcase him because I don't see him being part of the, the, the long-term future of the Cardinals because you have Goldsmith playing first. Alec Burleson has shown he can play it as well. And I think before it's all said and done, maybe Jordan Walker ends up being a first baseman. So, I just don't know if there's going to be a place for him uh, in, in his role now, the, the role he has now. Klaibs, is this fun or is this a, a slog through the last two-thirds of, or last third of this season? Well, you know, I tell you, Randy, because I haven't done this before with the Cardinals. I mean, you know, I was around for the Rams when they when they went down the drain. Mm-hmm. I've been around the Blues when they had their issues. But this is the first time I've actually seen it with the Cardinals and, and the reason why I think it's more challenging is because you play every day. You know, in football, you know, we do it once a week. You know, you can suck it up. You know, hockey, you know, you, know, you may play two games, three days, uh, three games a week. But in baseball, it's every day. And sometimes you run out of things to say. Uh, you know, I have to talk to Ali Marmel every day. And fortunately, he is a guy that's engaging and we, we figure a way to get it done. But, yeah, it's a little bit of a challenge. You know what? It's something I'll file away for sure. Claves, is there any way you see a, a trade happening in, in, in the offseason that may surprise or stun some people in this uh, in this town? Uh, yeah, I do. I, I think that there's some, some guys that maybe the, they, they're enough of an asset that somebody would be interested in that you was like, whoa, I didn't see that one coming. Uh, I think there's one or two of those out there, and it won't be either the corner infielders. Uh, okay. Let's be clear on that now. It won't be either one of them. But I think there's some people that will kick tires on some players that we've been accustomed to seeing. Claves, we were talking about earlier today everything that's going on with the Orioles and their broadcaster being suspended. Just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Well, I was I was taken by it because uh, you just don't normally hear that sort of stuff. I mean, you know, we were having dinner last night together, a few of the guys, John Rooney and, and Chip Carey, who've been in different organizations, and they were even surprised by, you know, that even in, the, in this day, if you heard what he said, it wasn't, he just reminded people, hey, we haven't been very good in this situation. He didn't single anybody out. He didn't call anybody by name. He just made the point that the team had not played well against Tampa. Um, you know, I've heard worse and guys who show up the next day with a job. Um, you know, but this is what Baltimore has been. I mean, people who have been part of that organization have always raised a concern about how they treat their people. And in this situation, it's, it, it's a black eye for them. And I'm, and I'm happy to see other broadcasters with other teams. You don't like to get in somebody else's mix. But, you know, that's, that's a slap in the face to everybody who gets behind a microphone. You know, when you have somebody who pulls you off the air for being fair and objective. He wasn't critical. He just made a point. 
You know, I mean, so I don't know what else you could say. I know we've said things that were, I would think, probably along that same line. When your team doesn't play well, they don't play well. I mean, you know, you, you have to make, make light of it. And, you know, Claves, I thought it was more complimentary, saying that the, the or, or Orioles had won more in Tampa or in St. Pete over the over this year than they had over the last three years or whatever it was. It was complimentary towards way. this year's team. I agree, Randy. I, that's the way I kind of looked at it. Um, but apparently somebody else didn't. Hmm. Uh, I think the backlash from this will, will definitely bring – they'll bring him back. They have no choice at this point because – you know, they, they were irrelevant this time last year, and all of a sudden they're one of the best teams in the game, and now they have to carry this smell in their bag for a while. It just doesn't work. Claves, you remember the left-hander Dave Rucker? Oh, yeah. Runner, yeah. R- runner at first. This is back, I guess, late 80s. Uh, one hopper back to the mound, and Rucker throws the ball 10 feet over the the second base bag, and Jack <laughs> is doing the call, and Jack Buck says, a fourth grader would have made that throw. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's funny you bring that up, Randy, because if if the Baltimore Orioles think that what this guy said was harsh, they should have heard Jack or Mike back in the day. Uh, I remember Jack interviewing Mark Littell, and Mark Littell hung a slider the night before and got hit in the next county. And Martin Jack had him on a pregame show. He said, what kind of pitch was that you threw last night? He said, well, it was a slider. He said, yeah, it slid about 450 feet. (laughs) 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 You know, the thing is, and they were fair in their criticism or concern, but I didn't think this guy was critical. No, and they they were saying what the fans thought. I remember one time, and Mike got a little guff, but he certainly didn't get suspended. You remember when Mike, and you might have even been with the broadcast, where Mike said, this is the dumbest baseball team I've ever seen. And he wasn't lying. Yep. It was just it was easy to see for anybody that was watching. Yeah, I mean, what he had another one about 5A or 4A team we got out here. I mean, he was critical, but you know, it, 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 the, you know, you don't want to shoot the messenger. I mean, this right, situation. right. And, but but this the, the Baltimore situation. Uh, you know, I, I just don't. I didn't understand it. And and we watched some some pretty tough baseball this year. And I think we've tried to be fair about what's going on. And I think, you know, we've, we've highlighted what the concerns and issues are. Um, and I don't think anybody disagree with us that the fact that this team, uh, I think there's a few things. A, I think the WBC was definitely an impact. And I think we've seen it with some other teams. Uh, I think the other issue was they rolled the dice on some pitching that they thought they had, and it didn't work. Just flat out didn't work. And I don't know how else you can paint it. Um, they didn't have the resources to try and fix it on the fly. And uh, here we are in the situation that we're in now. But I, I think they've already taken steps to make sure that doesn't happen again. And I know one thing you and I do, and you're on the broadcast, I'm sitting here as an observer. But if I can say to myself, at the, if I can ask myself at the end of the show, was I fair and honestly tell myself, yes, I was fair, then I feel like I've done my job well. But my responsibility ultimately is to the, the people that are listening. But you also have to be fair. There's no reason why John Mozeliak should have to come on here as a guest and we ask him, why do you feel like you should have your job? That's just not the way rational no. people work. And, and, you know, when a guy plays poorly, you, I, I'm, I would much rather say I've seen him make that play before. Uh, and he's had better results, and I know he's he would like to have that one back. Right. Compared to saying, you know, what a joke that was. I mean, there's a lot of ways you can describe the action and be fair and, and professional. That's right. You can imagine how frustrated Jack must have been 
A fourth grader would have made that throw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, wait, wait, wait. What about when Harry was doing the game? Oh, yeah. He Harry grew up in the Dominican time. Republic. How'd he lose the ball in the sun? <laughs> he pull out the payroll stuff and let everybody know how much money you were making. I mean, he, listen, I, it would be interesting to hear him in this day and oh, age. Oh, man, yeah. With social media, uh, the way he would go after guys. I mean, he he called it a spade a spade. Clay, you were talking about the World Baseball Classic. Do you see teams going forward not allowing or not you know, wanting their players to go play in that uh, classic, knowing how much of an impact it had on so many teams this year? Boy, Kerry, I, I think they're going to have to have a conversation about it. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt. They've got time to, to, to try and come up with a solution, but I don't think we'll ever see it in the manner that we saw it this year. Mm. Uh, there's going to have to be some changes because there were just too many teams who had a lot of players that were disjointed, and the chemistry never clicked. Uh, you had the injuries as well. And I, I just don't see it happening in the same manner again. Claves, what do we got going on on Claves Online? Well, we had a lunch with Claves and Joe yesterday. You can catch that one now. We, we covered a lot of bases. Uh, we did even discuss some baseball. Uh, <laughs> we also have Dr. Rick in his podcast with Rammer. The Daily Cards returns today with Joe Roderick and Bob Ramsey. They'll break down the Cardinal lineup. They do it every day, and they have a lot of fun with it. Uh, later in this week, we'll have a walk in the fairway with Nick Ragone from Ascension Charity Golf. And uh, we'll be premiering uh, Huddle Up with Howard Richards coming up here in the next week or so and just getting ready for the football season, which is just around the corner. Sounds fantastic. Have a great time down in Florida. We'll be tuned in tonight and bring home a win, okay? A win or wins? Which yeah. one would you like? Wins. I'm here to get more than one, but this Tampa bunch is no joke, man. They, they kind of found their mojo again, so we're going to have our hands full. And, oh, by the way, We'll see uh, Matthew Libertor pitching here in Tampa on Thursday, and uh, I'm I'm hoping that he has a good outing because Randy Rosarino reminds us of that trade all the time all and the how time. good he is. Let's hope that uh, Libertor can turn in a good performance. Definitely. Thank you, Michael. See you later. All right. You guys have a great week. Take you care. Too. That's our buddy Mike Claiborne from St. Petersburg with the Cardinals take on the Rays tonight, tomorrow, and Thursday. Coming up here on the opening drive. Uh, so, We've gotten several texts, and we'd like you to weigh in as well, because teams that have gone for it have not had great success this year. Mets, Yankees, Padres, three highest payrolls in baseball, but it's not going particularly well for them. Meanwhile, you've got teams like the Orioles and the Rays that aren't spending a lot of money. And we had a text uh, from a guy who said, I would much rather have my team try hard than have them win. So what would you rather have? A a team that spends a lot of money and doesn't win or a team that doesn't spend a lot and does? Text in 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. Or you can leave us a mic drop with the 101 ESPN app. We want to hear from you next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Great piece by Jason Stark at The Athletic. And to boil it down, here is a quote from the executive of one 2023 contender. So this is not from the Cardinal front office, but from one contender. He says, quote, we all know the playoffs are a dice roll, basically. Someone is going to get hot. I just have no idea who. 
And that's why we have never seen the Dodgers win in a non-COVID season since 1988, win a World Series. That's why we haven't seen the Yankees win or be in a World Series since 2009. It's why we haven't seen the Mets win a World Series since 1986, or why the Angels, with all of their expenditures of Pujols and Hamilton and having Otani and Trout, why they haven't been able to win. Because teams like the Braves a couple of years ago will turn over their outfield and be under 500 until the last two months of the season, then make a run and win the World Series. Or the Phillies last year fire their manager and they're regarded as the worst defensive team in the playoffs, but they find a way to get to the World Series. So the question is, would you rather have your team load up with a massive payroll like the Mets did this year or the Padres have done this year, or would you rather have a franchise like the Tampa Bay Rays who went to the World Series three years ago and they've been in the playoffs in each of the last four years. I guess it comes down to, would you rather have your team win at a lower payroll or not win with a higher payroll? I want to win. I don't care how much you pay people. It ain't my money. (laughs) (laughs) I want to be entertained. I want to watch wins. I want to watch good performances. I want to see guys hit the ball out of the ballpark. I want to see guys field the ball and make good plays in the field. I want to see pitchers strike guys out. I want to see wins. I want to see guys win games. I want to see hell's bells being played and red lights coming on in the ninth inning because we got a chance to get a save. That's what I want. Here's a text. This one from the 314. I'd rather have a team try to win and fail. It shows commitment and focus on a goal. Sure, winning when you don't expect to is great, but it isn't realistic, nor is it sustainable. There's a greater risk to players, management, and fans with committing, but it creates drive and motivation. If a team plays simply because they can and does not create the same atmosphere and motivation to play or show up with and watch... I think I'd rather win. I would too. I think everybody's going to take I don't want to try hard. Yeah, yeah. He, he said he'd rather have the team spend money and lose because it shows desire on the part of the franchise. That's not a... It shows commitment no. and focus on a goal. Mm. Yeah. Well, if you can spend less and win more, doesn't that show commitment, commitment and focus on a goal as well? It means you're smart. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. If you again, I, I think there is a a line there. You can't spend at a rate like the, the the Mets and the Padres do and not have victories, and then you can't not spend at the rate that the that the Rays or, or the Pirates or the Reds have and mm-hmm. and and not win as well. You have to find that fine line where you're paying enough and winning enough, and people are satisfied with the product that you're putting out on the field. And isn't the model Atlanta now? Because yes. Atlanta <laughs> essentially. Baltimore is going to need to be what Atlanta is, where they develop a bunch of players, and Atlanta has paid them and kept them around, and they're going to be there for six or seven years. Baltimore has all these young players, and they're going to have to spend a couple of hundred million dollars like Atlanta has to keep that young group around. And when you're talking about there's I feel like there's a difference, too, when it's when it comes to going for it. You talk about the Braves. I like what they have done. Also, the Rangers is a team that continues to stand out for me when it comes to how they spent money, how they've put these pieces together and how when something comes up, they're able to pivot and adjust on the fly. And those are things that I think makes a huge difference. It one makes the fan base really excited and it shows that you're committed and that you are trying to win and, in my opinion, go all for it. 
and the Rangers are interesting because they did spend a lot of money on their pitching staff, and they did spend money on Seager and Simeon on the on the middle infield. But they've got a ton of young players too. They just lost their catcher, but they, they've got a lot of young players that are contributing mightily, and they're the classic example of having a manager that understands they're men, not machines. They're managed in a logical, human way, and. We know a manager here. There are a lot of managers that manage by the numbers. Bruce Bochy manages people rather than a spreadsheet. And I think that makes a big difference. And I think you have a better chance of win if you have an experienced guy that knows how to win, like Bochy or like Snitker or like Joe Madden, than you do if you have a manager that manages strictly by the spreadsheet. How do you get back to kind of the analytics and the people? Instead of just relying solely on one or the other, because I think, as you said, you, you have Dusty Baker. I I, I would mm-hmm. bet good money that if you brought a sheet to him and said, you need to do this right now, right here, he would probably rip it up and, and, and throw it out. Yeah. Because that's not how the game is played. There are there is times for everything, for, for, for all of the analytics. But then there are times where, yeah, I got to go with what I feel and what my gut is. And analytics people are running most front offices now. And they want to be in charge. In Texas, they hired a former player, Chris Young, to be their general manager. And he said, you know what? A former player really has a feel for what's going on in the clubhouse and the dugout. So I'm going to bring in a guy that I know can win, and Bruce Bochy. The the Braves, they knew Brian Snitker. He had been in their organization for 40 years before they promoted him to be their major league manager. And he, he was an old school guy, but they most of the players had played for him at the minor league level and knew him, and he, more importantly, knew them as a human being. And I think so often the human aspect of sports is taken out of baseball because they expect players to perform like robots. Well, you need people in there who are leaders of men, Mm -hmm. somebody who people will listen to that is captivating. And I think that age, having a little bit of the gray hair or white hair helps a little bit with that too. And that, that comes with that experience, but also just having somebody who can command the room get people to pay attention, buy in to what the organization is putting out, what they're wanting to succeed. And so that comes with the human element, being able to identify people, letting guys be who they need to be in order to be successful. Because you can't just do a one-size-fits-all formula, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if you look at the Cardinals of the pitching staff with what their pitching philosophy was. That formula is not going to fit for every single player. And so when you're trying to force that player to fit into that box, then will they be successful? Will you get the best out of them? Probably not. And that's what you see with a lot of these pitching staffs is that you have individuals that are different. And yes, I'm sure that some of the game planning might be similar, but they let that player be that player. Your, Your best coaches are the coaches that play the players and allow them to be who they are as opposed to putting them in a one-size-fits-all type of mode. Yes. I, I remember when Wade Phillips, who's a 3-4 guy, went to uh, went to um, the Rams. Mm-hmm. And you got Aaron Donald. Well, I'm not running a 3-4 with Aaron Donald. We're going to run a 4 We're going to run mm-hmm. what they do best. I am capable of changing the things that I am comfortable doing to fit the people that we have on this roster. They've been running a 4-3. Aaron Donald slots in as a three technique. You think I'm going to put him over a center and have three people have the ability to block him? No. I'm going to line him up one-on-one with with an offensive guard, and we're going to rock and roll that way. And so when you're a good coach, you're able to 
figure out what your guys do best. If your guys are swing and miss guys, well, I, I don't need you pitching the contact. Do what you do best, fella. I, I, I want you to be the best version of you because that allows us to be the best best version of ourselves. That's Kerry. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch with another edition of Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Hey, 101 ESPN is your chance to win a four-pack of tickets for next Tuesday night's Budweiser Bash for the Cardinals and A's. Next week's Bud's Bud Bash features a limited edition Gary Gaetti bobblehead. Text in now to 314-399-9646 to win Budweiser Bash tickets for the Cardinals versus A's. All you need to do is answer this question that Matthew has for you. When Gary Gaetti came to St. Louis Cardinals, he was already a world champion. Which team did he win a World Series with? Oh, interesting question. Which team did Gary Gaetti win a World Series with by the time he'd already arrived to the St. Louis Cardinals? Text in. Texter number eight will uh, win the Bud Bash tickets for the Gary Gaetti Budweiser Bash night at the ballpark. That is next Tuesday. Get all the details on this season's series of Budweiser Bash Cardinals games now at cardinals.com slash promotions. Okay, what do we got on the... Rock and roll. I had a couple soccer-related notes, Randy. Uh, first of all, I wanted to throw out uh, some impressive facts over the weekend. St. Louis City 2, still in action uh, while St. Louis City uh, 1 is not because of the League's Cup. They were in action over the weekend, and they set an attendance record with over 9,000 fans showing up to watch the City 2 game over the weekend. I believe that was Sunday morning. I just... That's, I mean, they keep setting attendance records in the regular season, but for the city two to actually get almost ten grand on a on a on a weekend Amazing. afternoon that's like that, that's absolutely incredible. Yeah, that's great. They also they also spanked the Monarchs four to so four nil. Spanked so him. so you got a good you got a good showing if you were one of the over nine thousand. Also, I said it in an earlier Sports Center update, but as City um, ramps up to get started again on August twentieth, they are going to be playing a scrimmage against Atlanta United this weekend. So maybe we can talk to a Carnell before they they do that, but. I Obviously, they're going to be ramping up a little bit. One thing I, I did notice, the August 20th game is at 8.30 p.m., mm-hmm. and most schools in St. Louis start on August 21st. Like, there's another oh, rash of schools good. that start on August 21st. So you're going to start the game at 8.30, which means it's probably not going to kick off till 9. This just gets back to, like, I think it was Charles Barkley, who this past year was like, we got to we gotta do better when it comes to fans and, and making these games way too late when it comes to school night and stuff like late. that. That's you're not, a 9 o'clock make a decision. Your when kids not getting home till midnight. It's a decision. But that you shouldn't is have made. to make that decision uh, to my listen, points. Come right. on. It, to me, it's not a decision that has to be made. <laughs> not at all. You got to be an educator. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm a coach. <laughs> <laughs> you have 200 days of school. So you, you, you're, no. tired, you're tired one day. Big deal. Well, Teach Randy, them adversity. Randy? Yeah, right. Not, so that they gonna... learn before college that if you stay out late at night that you might have to suffer the consequences yeah, the next day. Brooke. Yeah. Is that what you're I saying? Get I get to class. Yep. yep. I appreciate it. You wanted to party last <laughs> night? You got you to get to work. You got to learn. Yep, deal with adversity. Yep. That's a weird lesson deal to start it. teaching kids that Second early. grade. Oh, that's yep. <laughs> Second grade. You so. wanted to stay out last Mom, Dad, yep. I, you hey, told me I could. Wake up from your first communion party. This is real yeah. world now. Yeah. Now yep. you're into it. Patrick was Welcome. six for the uh, Rams 2000 opener when they brought down the banner for winning Super Bowl 34. There was no way he was missing that Monday night game. And he, did he have school on Tuesday? Yes. Sure. Did he go? He, of course he went. He did. 
Of course. He, can you imagine subjecting your kid to not being able to see a Super Bowl banner being unveiled? And how of thrilled course. was he the yes. next oh, day? Man. That day and the next. For yeah. the next. I mean, you you listen when you in when you get to see something, you're riding on the high for the rest of the week. Yeah. You're good. Sleep is you know you sleep on the weekend. Exactly. Come on. I, <laughs> I, I can't believe that question would be asked. <laughs> what is going on here? Rock? I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm not saying I wouldn't support a parent doing so. I'm just saying we shouldn't be putting parents in this situation. This again, Charles. No, Bobby you never said should. It. There's 200 days of school. The sporting event always takes precedence. Well, then, well you know what? There you have it. The sporting oh, event gosh. always takes precedence. I, I you know what? You. I, I stand to, corrected. I got to go see uh, Vince Carter and Kevin Dur- Kevin Garnett. Uh, got to leave school for the shootout when mm-hmm. I was a young man. It was. <laughs> you think I was? You think you think the, that math the teacher kid, missed no. me again? This has nothing. <laughs> you're, you're missing the perspective <laughs> that I'm coming at yeah. this from. Yeah. Obviously, the kid doesn't care about missing That's, school. Uh, what are we talking about here? Yeah. Mm. Okay. So we love the kids. Fair I will enough. say so that there is times where the games are a little bit late for, for MLS, and I wish that there would be some different time options. And so I a, will agree with you on and that. And here's the thing. You have the most manageable one. Like like NBA games that start at like 8.30. Inexcusable. That game, that game, that game you're not getting out of the arena until maybe midnight. TV, least, man. TV runs the show. It, you're, not, you're 100% correct. And that's why, even, that's why I'm saying even an 8.30 kickoff, they're probably not kicking the ball until 9 o'clock because of all the coverage, which means, again, you're not getting out of the stadium until 11, 11.15. There's traffic. You're not home until midnight. Kids got school. It's just they a little rough. They sleep in the car on the way home, right? right that's yeah. true. I that can't even 30 hang minutes. Like All right, that. fine, no. fine. One, 20, yeah. 20 minutes? One yeah. other quick soccer point I want to make. 2033 <laughs> World Series, Cards and Yankees. I feel sorry for your kid. <laughs> oh. Right. You know, oh. No, I, will, I will definitely you have be. school yeah, tomorrow, no. No. Matthew. We'll be in school. You don't have to. I'll put it on tape for you. And then he gets to school and all of his friends are telling I'm him. Gonna, no, no, no. Here's the thing. I'm, I'm, going, to I'm going to be the first person who says, you're going to miss school so you can you watch the, so you can stay up till 1 a.m. to watch. I'll be the first person to say that. I used to uh, take my daughter out of school for a free pancake stay at IHOP. <laughs> you were you were The bar has yep. been lowered all of a sudden here halfway through the segment. It's free pancakes. The day. bar was lowered. I don't care. When does free pancakes start here? Hold on. It's 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 oh, this soon. Is that happens important. once a year though. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so does how many banner being being raised? Yeah. Uh, are you? Oh, oh, oh. More, not as, oh, free a lot less than once a year. When we got, is it coming? Um, 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 I'm trying to find the day. We should do a remote. Oh, from IHOP? <laughs> somebody, yeah. somebody says give the kids some coffee. There you go. No, no, see, get them going. Carry, no, we don't need that many fullbacks. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> Got a Brooke? Any luck? I'm trying to By the way, Carrie, is... I, want, I want to hear this from you. People were comparing Messi doing what he's doing to the MLS, and they were trying to find out what is the comparison if Tom Brady picked up a football right now? Would it be him doing this against... Like an Ohio State, a North Dakota State. I feel like that's so disrespectful. <laughs> like we're gonna do it. I, I, no, Messi's I doing it live. I, no, Messi's disrespecting no, no. the league live. Those are professional athletes. So no, no, to say no, no, no. I'm talking about what Messi's doing. Oh, okay. He's doing it against other professional athletes. So to to say it's similar to oh, if Tom Brady was playing high school ball, this is what it would look like. That that. I didn't say high school. I said like Ohio State. That's still disrespectful. The thing about the thing that always intrigues me is the best college football team could beat the worst NFL team. No, they cannot. Where would Tom Brady be doing in the USFL right now? He would be ripping them to shreds. (laughs) Hey guys, I have a very very important update. Very important update. That's all I wanted. About National Pancake Day, okay? Okay. Apparently it happens twice a year. Because Uh I I Googled it, which very reliable source. Uh the interwebs tells me the National Pancake Day occurs twice a year 
September 26 is the second day that they celebrate okay. National Pancake Day. And then there, it's also in February. I don't uh, know why there's two national. Uh, you could tell me I that like today it. is like national. I don't know. Uh, what's what's another food? National, donut Day. Yeah, National Donut Day. We'd be like, sure, that makes sense. I'm in. Yeah. So obviously the early one is when I took my kid out of school to go get the September one. Because I remember it was in the fall. Mm-hmm. So uh, okay, well let's uh, see what we can make happen here for it, September. It, we can, we can. Oh, I love pancakes. I mean, Me first too. watch is right across the street. We could, uh, I mean, that would probably be a easy. live remote from live me. remote. We, we, <laughs> they have very good pancakes, great coffee, pancake eating contest. Sign me up. <laughs> first yep, watch, yep. if you're listening. Yeah, they yeah. know the one in Mid Rivers. They know me. They're like, "Hey, Mr. Davis, how you doing? I'm, I'm here so much." I don't know. you don't do eating contests with things that expand inside your stomach. It's a bad oh, idea. It's a bad idea. Randy, is that true? No, it's not. Okay, but this is also a person that wouldn't take a kid to a sporting yeah, event. Type of, of, type of person is he? Yeah. That's not what he I also, said. Him he and also Stan. doesn't like fall. Don't forget yeah. about that. Or, or, or spice. anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but a great job today by our producer. We should, uh, yeah, uh, we can have. Uh, let's get some first watch next week. We'll let's do, do it. it. Okay, we'll do it. Uh, thank you, Matthew. Producer pleasure. Elijah. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> there Life's you go. A pleasure. Look at you. Oh, Good job. Nice. Brooke, did you have fun? <laughs> I did. Good. Yeah. CD. My man. Hey, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of this fabulous program, uh, award-winning. So somebody's going to give us an award someday, I know. Yes. Uh, and for all of us, until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.